Uh, yeah. right along. Do you think so? do, 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 do. Footloose and Fancy Free. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Kapow! Kapow! Yo, yo, ma! Yo, yo, ma! Yo, yo, ma! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. What's up? What's up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so many ways you can say hello. It really is. And we've, and we've, I think we've covered 90% of them. Yeah. How do you, how long do you think this uh, dilly dilly thing is going to last God for damn. Bud Light? Uh, it doesn't have long. I don't think so because they had the WhatsApp thing. Yeah, and then they had the Budweiser. The every single thing. fad that they've ever come up with has had a shelf life. Yeah, and this should have had a shelf life of one commercial, but yeah. uh, you know, it had you know <laughs> they had a series, man. and you know, eventually people are going to be like, well, you know what? It will probably be it'll be the next Super Bowl commercial, and yeah. people will be like, that was fucking stupid, and then they'll go on to the next thing. Yeah, you know what I think is interesting is watching progressive try and manage like okay because flow was a thing right Mm -hmm. to the point where i know enough about how commercial acting and royalties work to know that she must be really expensive at this point Mm -hmm. which is why the last few commercials have been shoving this jamie guy on us (laughs) instead of her and i don't think that's any coincidence because he's much less expensive than she is at this point but they haven't phased her out completely. Anyway, I just think well, that's pretty and, fast. And they also tried to put in those other two dudes from the competing insurance yes. company. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. They tried to do that for a while, too. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like she's so expensive at this point that they're like, well, let's put this dude so in. If you can- and by the way, in the series of progressive commercials, I fucking hate that dude. Oh, man. I mean, the guy in real life might be totally charming. <laughs> But his character here, the way that they've chosen to write it, is obnoxious. Yeah. I want to punch him in the face. Yeah, like when they first put him in, it's like, oh, I feel kind of bad for that guy. Now, no longer no. feel bad for now, that, that guy. Now, that goddamn commercial with the choir where he keeps cutting them off. I don't yeah. feel Oh, my God. I don't feel it. I don't feel like I actually want to break my TV when that shit comes <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, I do, too. God damn. I, I do, too. Whereas if, you, if you're, to bring it back to the point, if you're Budweiser, if you can come up with something that is flow-like, that the fans connect to, but isn't an actual actor that you have to keep paying, like a Dilly Dilly or a Budweiser Frog, of course you're going to run that shit into the ground. Mm-hmm. And then they'll find something else in a year and yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go back on our road trip. <laughs> road trip. <laughs> Speaking of beer. That's Speaking right. Speaking of beer. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Uh, we're gonna go to New Mexico. Yeah. Hey, there's a New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those states I don't think I've ever been to in any f- form or fashion. Oh Man, my god, it's fucking beautiful. Okay. You would you would be really you dig into it the this. most. You dig it the most because it's got the uh, the white sands. It's got Albuquerque. Is Albuquerque where? Yeah, Albuquerque is where Breaking Bad takes place. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that city is fucking beautiful. Like they, they even like their overpass bridges on the interstate and stuff like that are like ornate and everything. It's mm. just absolutely beautiful. They got the Mexican green chilies and <laughs> or New Mexican green chilies. It's it's fucking awesome. And then you got the mountains at the the northwestern part of the state, right. and it's awesome. All right, 
Yeah. Um, so to start us off, we have uh, a really huge hit, City Slickers. That was a big hit, right? It was a huge hit. And um, and uh, it may be the last time Billy Crystal had a big hit, too. Because it may be. There was that period of time there where Crystal sort of just fell off by the wayside there like after that like every movie came out with my giant french basketball player yeah <laughs> i caught some of that uh, recently actually forget paris yeah uh, it's forget paris is a weird movie by the way yeah because he 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 gets with is it deborah winger it's deborah winger yeah. deborah winger and then like has to take care of her old dad who's played by the doddering dude that, that voices the the evil surgeon in nightmare before christmas the guy is always he was in uh, oh. Christmas Vacation, too. Oh! Oh! Yeah, so yeah. Billy Crystal has to take care of that dude. And then, not because he has to take care of that dude. That's not what breaks him. He has to end the marriage because he loves basketball refereeing that much mm-hmm. that he has to go back into it. <laughs> this is forget, Perry. This yeah, is not City yeah, Slickers. I was about to say. I was like, we we started off with City Slickers, and then we went into Forget Paris. City but Slickers is very charming. It oh, is. I love it. Yes, it is. I think it holds up pretty well too, in the in the sense that by taking the whole point of this is to take them out of the city, the technology, the mo- the mo- modernity of life, and put them into this cowboy lifestyle. So it's not dated really in any way, other than I guess modern people in this situation would be checking their cell phone all the time yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but everybody is is good in their role everybody is is funny there's a there's bigger ensemble at work here than you might think if you've never seen this mm-hmm. it's not just him and daniel stern and uh bruno kirby, bruno kirby. uh because jack palance comes in of course and then you've got oh, yeah. all the other people at the camp like the ben and jerry's knockoff guys yeah. of whom is david pamer i think yeah oh yeah and uh the other guy somebody too i can't remember uh he was, is josh moss yeah it was about josh, josh moss yeah. who was uh the the principal in uh billy madison oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh but like uh yeah i i really enjoy this jack palance won the oscar for this too. yes and did a one and push up on stage yes he did <laughs> was that the year who was hosting that year oh god was 92 was, 92 was either crystal or it was Whoopi goldberg i think it was crystal because i remember him quipping about jack palance yeah several times throughout the night like you should have seen what he just did backstage yeah. or some shit <laughs> yeah, like that. yeah yeah um, what a weird i the performance is is good it's really good it's very intimidating like at one point he's like i've taken shits bigger than you yeah. are <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but like I, it's it that seems like maybe one of those lifetime achievement awards too you know could be it could be i don't know uh it, it was one of those performances that just sort of uh i don't know it uh fingerprinted our brains or whatever and it was one of those that was just stood out because yeah. it was so funny and and is there any chance that he was sort of like one of those actors that had never really gotten his due yet? And it was kind of like one of those like lifetime achievement slash you were really good in this. Yeah, I think that's what Barrett was trying to allude to. But uh, I don't know if he had never been a award. Let me see. Let me look at it real quick. Uh, he had been nominated two other times for hmm. Sudden Fear and Shane. Oh um, yeah! Wow. Uh, and then so yes, I would think that is probably right that he got had a little lifetime achievement. He was, he was super well regarded, and but I don't think he had been working all that much, at least not prominently. Nah, before well, I mean, this yeah, I mean, out. he had he had done Batman just before that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jack, <laughs> <laughs> you are my number one. You are my number guy. one guy. You know, this may not be the very first instance of it, but it is one of the very best instances of that he's standing right behind me isn't he yeah <laughs> yeah billy crystal sells it 
better here than I think I've now that there are still movies and shows trying to do that <laughs> shit like it's original today. Deadpool right. two just did it. Yeah. Yeah. They did yeah. The, that whole uh he's like <laughs> saying what he's gonna do to cable and he looks over, he's like, he's standing right behind you, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but see even that's kind of a twist yeah, yeah. uh yeah see so like is good then we go on to contact oh my oh. god would you would you say i would i guess most of this is in new mexico oh, yeah. yeah because for the for i mean for the runtime which is a it's a fairly long movie it is a, a pretty long movie yeah. there's a lot to cover in this movie yeah no pun intended but. right um i love contact so much i know it d- probably doesn't it's not doesn't rate high with a lot of people especially because of the ending and everything but even if you hate the ending of contact i feel like everything leading up to that is just it's amazing to me yeah it's one of those you know, i think this is also part of why i like arrival so much is that your typical alien movie is not this thoughtful right and, is, and the aliens are not sending messages they're sending laser beams and um i think it's it's natural to fear what we don't know as humans and to say if aliens ever did make contact with us, they would certainly squash us like bugs, like we do to bugs. But I don't think there's any actual reason to assume that. Uh, and I like exploring the idea that aliens might not be hostile yeah. and might, in fact, want to help out. Um, and, you know, that contact. Uh, does that really really well i love the intellectual exploration of this signal yeah and especially the sort of the confusing nature that it comes in too because uh and and this is exactly how this would play out especially these days but the you know they send that it's the very first ever radio broadcast but it happens to be hitler that's a bad video broadcast yeah it's a video broadcast it's a it's a it's a first time that they you know that was the first time anything got in out in the space or whatever and so like it's first off you know what is the message they're trying to send with this hitler video and everything and you know it's like well they're they've disguised some some like numbers some prime numbers in there and everything everything has depth to it like this is noise this is you know the stuff that we're not even really looking at um and then it turns out to be the plans for the machine yeah yeah but you know that that i mean it's one of those things where you you have to think and and take away the emotion and everything and that's what you know if that happened today just think about what would happen people would be like oh my god the aliens hitler yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think that's literally like what somebody says because uh, when they first get the image, like they zoom out a little bit and it, it's a swastika. Yeah. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Like an alien Nazis. Right. It is like, uh, well, it's like uh, Jodie Foster is trying to convince Angela Bassett in one of her many get in there and yell at people roles and, <laughs> and then, then leave. leave. Um, but, uh, but, you know, she's trying to like, was well, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a, uh, you know, she, Jodie Foster's going with all the positive stuff. And then James Woods comes in like, or Zeke Heil. We, you know like you're you're our kind of people or whatever um uh but i tell you what the, it gets shit on a lot that whole space travel thing because it ends up being her dad mm, at the end or the, the shape yeah, of her dad the, but when they first when she first goes through that wormhole like mm-hmm. the visuals in that my jaw was on the fucking floor the first yeah. time i saw that and maybe like a couple more times after that because you have no clue what to expect and then you see like double galaxies spinning around each other the double way rainbow, double oh, rainbow. Yeah. What does it mean? The way that Zemeckis does that particular set piece, 
he could have gone like the 2001 route or something like mm-hmm. that and just had the, 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 the yeah they, they stop and then she gets torn somewhere else and yeah. then she gets torn somewhere you know else. i was watching back to the future three the other day because mm-hmm. there's one of these stars channels that basically seems to be playing all three of them every day mm. zemeckis is really good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it feels like he's not always motivated to be at his best because we get we get movies like flight or <laughs> you know, movies that to me are forgettable Man, when he's on his game, he's magical. Yeah. And it's not, there's a, there's a clear, what I think is a clear Spielbergian influence, especially in Back to the Future 3 that I was watching the other day. Um, but it's still unique. It's still like his own eye. Mm-hmm. And C- Contact has a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere along the way, well, what was the last Zemeckis movie that you were just like, oh, balls, I got to see that? <sighs> this one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Everything else that he's come out with in the past uh well, well this would be 21 yeah. years i'm looking been... forward to the stuff whatever he's doing this fall what is it the one the with tv show no this one with steve carell oh the welcome to Mars one yeah, yeah that one looks pretty good uh but yeah all the all the stuff that you can think of like flight and uh the walk and polar express and polar express and uh christmas carol and what lies beneath beowulf and yeah uh, yeah all those type of all those type <laughs> i gotta of, go see that all yeah. those type of movies um but uh, i also think that alan silvestri probably got snubbed on this score too i think a lot of times the uh, the movie itself doesn't get a lot of attention Oscar-wise, so then, therefore, music that is as good as this that's in contact also gets ignored. Yeah. And uh, as Silvestri, I think, has only been nominated one time, and I can't remember what movie it was for. Mm. I, it, may have not, it, it may have been Forrest Gump. Um, and that was it. Maybe. Is he the one that got doing most of the Marvel stuff these days? I think so. Yeah, yeah you know what? I used to at least shit on the the MCU scores and stuff like that, that they're just kind of, they run together and everything. But the more that I watch Avengers type of stuff, that Avengers theme is really fucking great. And that's Alan Silvestri. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that gripe of mine, because I think I was the leading that charge of all the scores sound the same. Mm. I think that was more like phase one. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. as they've grown, I feel like the themes have gotten more distinctive. Yeah. Sylvester's only been nominated for Forrest Gump for score, and then he got nominated for a song in the Polar Express. Oh, was it the song uh, that the uh, Elf uh, Aerosmith song? Yeah. <laughs> it's called Believe, whatever the fuck okay. that is. I don't even remember. No, it was the Cher song. Uh, any, yeah. Anyway, um, Contact, very good movie. Then we go on to Crazy Heart. Yeah. Did you like this? Uh, oh. Yeah. Jeff Bridges is really good. I mean, this is, is a thing this is a performance movie more than it is like a movie movie that you want to go watch all the time or anything but jeff bridges is great in this the and music he, is great too. he won the oscar yeah mm-hmm. so yep i uh, agree i had a lab assistant that was uh that's very beautiful this is at vanderbilt and uh was an actress right and so she'd do like you know community theater and stuff like that in there and i was talking to her and she was like yeah and i was in crazy heart mm. and this was like right after bridges won the oscar i was like the fuck and went back, opening scene, when he's at the bar, she's the bartender. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things to see, and I've seen it on the Facebook page and the SoundCloud page with regard to podcast fans, is the occasional, oh, I was in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because there's a couple of those that just came in. Sharp objects. Sharp there was objects. One, yeah, yeah that, was, that was back in the... Uh, you know, look at <laughs> look at the guy in the blue shirt, and then to the right is me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I haven't seen Crazy Heart since it came out, though. 
I oh, saw man. it the one time. I remember thinking he was good, but it's just it's just like you're saying. It's, mm. He's great, but there's not a there's not enough around the rest of the movie for me to want to go back. You to like that. to pop it in constantly, or right? Whatever. Right. It's you, almost like a Nebraska type of story, you know, drunk ass alcohol with music. Uh, you know, alcoholic old old guy that uh, is trying to get his career back mm-hmm. has to open for his old protege and everything and. Uh yeah, but the mu- it's T Bone Burnett did the, yeah. most of the music in this, and it's so good. Yeah, yeah the music is good. Yeah. Uh, then there is okay. So this is going to be divisive, I think, with uh, not may not maybe not people in this room, but people who are listening. But Easy Rider, I I hate mm, this movie. This movie can go away. I fucking hate this movie too. Yeah, man. I don't. I I can understand it, people. I, you know attaching themselves to this idea of driving cross country and freedom and whatnot and all this other stuff but uh when you watch the movie i mean you really have to i think you may have to be on the same drugs that the characters this are. is a very you will enjoy it probably if you're on drugs and if you're not on drugs you almost definitely won't you know it's so boring <laughs> and uh dennis hopper directed this i think this was yeah. his debut uh but the dennis hopper peter fonda and then uh and, uh, and jack nicholson mm-hmm. uh, pops up in this too um so there's, it's, there's, it's, it's notable for things it but. is there's interesting stuff in this like when they're wandering around mardi gras like you know lsd'd up and everything and the the all the stuff with nicholson kind of in the middle there where he bails him out of jail and he's all drunk and everything in fact he has to come out of the drunk tank because he got arrested for being drunk, and then he bails them out yeah. because, yeah, they were arrested that. I thought life was like a Mardi Gras. <laughs> a never-ending party. Ha! <laughs> well, that's, a, that's my shitty Marge impression from the oh, yeah. New Orleans musical. <laughs> that's right. That's like the, one of the opening numbers really or something, is. right? Um, New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 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 not good. It's no, not good. I, I didn't like it at all. But it, would you say this is in any way inspired by On the Road, the Jack Kerouac? Kerouac? No, I thought it was mostly inspired by drugs. Well, no, it's a. Uh, I don't know for sure, but there, there there was a movie called The Trip that happened. Not the Steve Coogan, right? The other one uh, that Peter Fonda was in too. Mm-hmm. Explored a lot of the same things: counterculture, uh, peace, freedom, things like that. Hippies, communes, and so I believe this is part of. Like a like a like a uh, connected to that movie spiritually or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I think the trip informed this more than something like On the Road, which was you know a very specific story about three or four very specific people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean there may be some t- tangential. I mean, there's aspects. probably some crossover as far as themes and everything mm-hmm. are concerned, but you know. Uh, it's that same old hippie crap, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, then there is Jesus Christ, Employee of the Month. Okay, we named it. Let's go yeah, on. Let's move on. <laughs> Movie sucks. Jessica Simpson, though. Yeah. You could have told me it was Jessica Alba or like any other. Which he, he, he did. He, he was. He, he did a movie with her too. Yeah. Uh, it was a Good Luck Chuck, I think. Yeah. Good Luck Chuck. Jessica, Jessica Simpson had a second. She was in Dukes of Hazard. She was in this. She wasn't any good in any of she them. She wasn't good in any of them. She had a music career for a second. I, I I had this messed up before because there are movies that are very similar, and I always get that that Dane Cook Jessica Alba one mixed up with some other movie that we haven't haven't. Oh, it might have been uh, My Best Friend's Girl, but that's Kate Hudson. Yeah, it's Good Luck Chuck that Jessica Alba said. But anyway, we named it. We went on. Fa- uh, Fancy Pants. I've never seen this. It's got Lucille Ball, Bob Hope. Nope. Have you ever seen this? No. 
Uh, I figure this was right up your alley. It's, it would it's like be. Sounds like in it. the 50s, Bob Hope, uh, young, fairly young Lucille Ball, where he's like a British uh, actor that's paid to come over and like he's got to juggle a few different roles of like how people uh, look at him. It's it's whisper thin, but a lot of those comedies were back in the day, and it's just a ha- I used to watch this with my grandmother. A lot, so. mm. oh. Yeah, I bet it's good. Yeah, it um, is. it's fun. Bob Hope back in his prime. Oh, yeah. was fucking hilarious. Well, even man. as a kid when he was in those eighties specials and stuff, yeah. I used to like Bob Hope. I, I didn't know anything about his younger days, but I thought he was funny then. Yeah. So um two-thirds of the uh, man with no name trilogy were in new mexico for a few dollars more and the good the bad and the ugly which is considered the big classic out of that group yeah um apparently what a fistful of dollars was primarily in texas yeah and then there was a big like new mexico land revolution or something like that that uh which is weird because the good the bad and the ugly is actually a prequel to fistful of dollars mm-hmm. so uh don't know how that works but man these are some really, really good movies. They are good movies. I, I, I've never gotten quite on the level of like loving these movies like a lot of people do. Um, but The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is a good movie, and oh, especially yeah. that showdown at the end. That, mm-hmm. that three-way showdown is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it's um, a different three-way than like Wild Things. <laughs> yeah, it's a different one than, than Wild Things, for sure. <laughs> um i mean in this one denise richards doesn't get naked oh yeah that's right that's right um, yeah so it's that's very right. very strange um then there is <laughs> but nev campbell does yeah nev campbell does <laughs> that's it's why that's why it's so wild it's a twist uh then there is man this was i this was so hugely popular in the last decade it's like insane high school musical oh, high wow. school musical. all three of them baby all three of them two of them were tv movies and then the third one got a theatrical release Jesus. did you see it the I third one i did not no, I uh i was in new york when this one came out and really i there's like a theater story involved with that uh which i'll probably save but uh <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, it's it's nothing big, but it's one of those things where you're like, you, you can't believe the shit. Uh, and it really has nothing to do with High School Musical 3. It just has something to do with an incident involving that movie. But anyway, um, this brought Zac Efron into the world. And he, really, this is how he was born. Yeah, I mean, Vanessa Hudgens was a big phenomenon at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she released an album or something like that, but she Probably was like did. a big pop culture zeitgeist type of uh, figure for a while also was unfortunately hit one of the first ones that were hit with yep. those nude leak yep. uh photos things ashley tisdale we thought were, was going to be like a big deal but really zach efron is really the the the, the main thing to come out of this mm-hmm. and honestly like he's probably pretty good but like outside of neighbors has he been good in anything I mean, he's been solid in everything that I've seen him in. I mean, is he all right in Baywatch? I mean, Baywatch is he he calculates that a little bit too much. I, mm. I mean, like it dials it up a little bit too much. I think uh, in Baywatch, uh, because he p- feels like he's in some sort of movie that that movie is trying to be. Yeah, and it's never that movie. Mm. Um, so yeah, Baywatch, fuck me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I still believe in Efron. Yeah, I think there's more there. Everything that I've generally seen him in, he's either solid in. I don't think I've ever thought he was bad. He's doing something now. He's doing something. I want to say it's Jeffrey Dahmer related. Oh, really? Hmm. He's making something now that's like a serious role. Well, good for him. I I wish he would stop being so veiny. 
Like he he he's he's gotten to the point where mm. he's like Stallone veiny. Yeah. Oh veiny. I thought veiny. you said vein, and I was no. like, well, we don't know that he's vein. No, um, he's just veiny. Veiny. That's like, okay. Well, like that's, what it, that's what it generally always takes, though, right? If you're in a if you're sort of cast in this like bunch of movies where you're basically just playing good looking dude or whatever, and who's got the veiny muscles. Mm-hmm. Um you know it takes it takes doing something that's sort of outside the box to finally get you to people to realize you're more than just that yeah okay. like copland right he's yeah. doing um he's doing a movie called he's playing ted bundy in a movie called extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile mm. hmm. and it's got lily collins Haley joel osman john malkovich hmm. jim parsons dylan baker looks like a pretty good cast yeah dylan so baker. that probably is not a comedy where he's shirtless i'm guessing <laughs> yeah. if he's playing ted bundy in a shirtless comedy role and we have we've yeah. gone a lot further off the rails than that's, i thought that's very true we've uh yeah um but uh high school musical uh would you would you say it's harmless. good for its time the first the first one was kind of engaging it's not nearly up to the level of like greece but for probably the generation right behind us it probably is in that same discussion mm-hmm. like the uh, greece high school musical just as good quality uh but you can tell it's like disney channel production level quality the singing is fine the songs are fine but it's nothing special all right uh, then we have the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which was, is one of the sickest fucking movies I've ever seen. Me too. Alexandra. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name is, uh, who did High Tension and, which is also a gross fucking movie. I mean, he's, he's that kind of, like... he's that kind yeah, I know. Some people love the buckets of blood and guts and everything, but. <laughs> what was it? Last time the modern horrors guys were in here, Luke was saying like, he was describing like the worst movie, like dealing with pregnancy and like mm-hmm. disgusting, vile shit. He was like, I took my girlfriend on her first date <laughs> yeah. to see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, God damn. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't connect to movies like that, man. No, nah, me either. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had, yeah, I had a very poor time watching this movie. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and it's like, I've chosen poorly. <laughs> then there is the Hitcher remake. Yeah, the Sean Bean one. Oh my God. So I didn't see this. I did see the original, the Rutger Hauer, uh-huh. friend of the show, Rutger Hauer, <laughs> um, with, and Jennifer Jason Lee and C. Thomas Howell. C. Thomas. Uh, but, uh, I don't think I, I may, I may have seen this and just, just let it go out of my brain. It's almost beat for beat. If I remember correctly, it's almost beat for beat. The exact same as the Rutger Hauer. One. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> just yeah. with uh, Sophia Bush. And it's a simple story. I mean, a guy is hitchhiking and, you know, uh, and he's fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> and he try and he tries to get away from him and he keeps finding it that's the that's the that's right the plot yep yep <laughs> sophia bush though sophia bush ah yes. i like me some sophia bush <laughs> for sure then there is another fucking remake let me in yeah uh, which is, this is the, the remake see, of let the right one in this movie i'm gonna say something mean but this movie's good mm-hmm. but this move this fucking movie is the reason why they excuse every single foreign language remake to english like they're gonna i just read yesterday they're gonna remake train to basan yep in english mm-hmm. yep and i guarantee you anyone defending that is gonna cite let me in at, well let the right one in was good yep. but so was the english remake god damn it yeah pisses me know. off if you can't fucking deal with subtitles 
I'm sorry. This is one I of the, want to be that guy. This is one of the few times that I like the original and I like the remake. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I like I don't. Yeah, it's uh, it's a rare uh, moment for me to have that. But then the uh, this is also one of we I think we may have discussed this before. One of the like seven or eight horror remakes that Chloe Grace Moretz has been in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Like <laughs> Suspiria is one that's coming right. out uh, later on this year. Carrie. There's Carrie. There is um, uh, Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. Um, what oh, else? Wow. I'm going down her list right now. That's insane. Um, dark shadows oh yeah um there's uh what else is there there's one more i think <laughs> she was probably in it yeah she probably was <laughs> found a way uh the eye was another oh, one. oh yeah uh and uh and it's like it's almost like uh you know got a got a remake of a movie a horror movie let's, let's Chloe- call chloe up she's man. probably in the opening of this halloween movie coming up <laughs> yeah she CGM. probably is found a way um you saw so you've seen both of them yeah uh how close is this one i've only seen the remake i, I don't remember the this the remake being too close i mean it was the same story right i mm. mean it's the same story but i don't think the like some of the same actions happen in this mo- in mm. that movie i don't remember i i remember just liking the remake and yeah. saying that was pretty good but there were some changes but yeah this is a this is a good movie richard jenkins is really good mm-hmm. um she grew up with him right and he is not a vampire is that right? Or did she make him a vampire later on? See, if I only see a movie once and it was years ago, those are not the kind of details okay. I'm going to be able to remember <laughs> yeah. off the cuff. Yeah. I don't- my recollection is that he was not. and that, But that I saw it one time and remember thinking it was good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she is, uh, she's fucking vicious and sweet in this. Yeah. She's really good. She's got, she's talented. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's always frustrates me when i see her in a movie like the fifth wave or something where i'm just like god it's like yeah. four months of your life you could have been making like a good movie but you <laughs> made true. this so abby's companion thomas abducts a local teenager and drains his blood into a jug only to accidentally spill all the jug's contents uh i think yeah i think he's just helping her. yeah he's, he's not, just helping because yeah. they they met when they were kids and she hasn't aged but he has obviously. yeah so uh yeah anyway i do remember liking it like i said i don't remember i think i'm actually single. gonna want to rewatch it again here and down the mm, road if i get good. a chance because i remember liking it but i will probably watch the original first watch the original i, I want to see the original because i again we've talked about this before but i liked the uh the girl with the dragon tattoo the original more than i did the uh the remake and i liked the remake too. i liked open your eyes more than i liked vanilla sky did you really mm-hmm. yeah huh. of course i only watched it this is a counter to my argument i'm making i only watched it because cameron crow was making a remake mm-hmm. and at that point cameron crow was solid gold and i wanted to know for some reason what what he would have changed he changed a lot by the way um but i still enjoyed the first one better um then there is a uh, little miss sunshine um, oh what a good movie uh yeah i i didn't like it as much as you guys did but uh it's good yeah man i mean this is such everybody's a fucking character in this i know greg uh, kinnear is essentially the straight man but like everybody's got their fucking quirks yeah and he's uh, he's a dick in this movie He's the he kind of he's dick, the yeah. final domino that I think gives the movie its heart is when he lets go at the end. It's like I'm gonna get up on stage because up till then, up till the 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 pageant, all he cared about was his fucking nine steps deal because yeah. he's got this self help idea where he wants to sell a book. And I think is it Brian Cranston? I think it's Brian Cranston is the guy that can make it happen. Oh, I don't remember. And he goes to he like 
leaves the hotel and drives 300 miles nearby to where there's a conference where he knows this guy is so he can confront him. And what about my mom? nine steps? And basically, this may be why I like this movie. Yeah, more. it is. It is Brian mm-hmm. Because just like in Sideways, he has this moment where he, his dream is crushed. And mm-hmm. Cranston just says, you're nobody. Like, he basically doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. Uh, and he f- realizes my nine steps is not going to happen. But then he's still, like a day later, he's able to find joy in his daughter's over-sexualized celebration yeah. of what a pageant is supposed to be. And uh, Paul Dano's great in this. Yeah. Uh, Tony Collette's great. Everybody God, has a nice little Steve chance Carell, to man. shine. Yeah. I love the bit where the car breaks down and the only way they can start it is by pushing it because I have had I had a car in college that literally had that where yep. I had to I would park on a hill or I would I could do it myself. I could just push it. Uh, it wasn't a heavy car, I guess. Um, but uh, anyway, I just I find it very charming. It's certainly not going to rock your world one way or the other. Uh, but put a, puts a big smile on my You'll face. You'll be smiling quite a bit uh, during it, even even with the salty like Alan Arkin character. You know? Now he he won he won the Oscar, the Oscar yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, it, one thing that this movie has inspired that I'm getting exhausted of is, and maybe maybe this wasn't the first movie to try it. Obviously, Abigail Breslin's little thing at the end is you know perverse and everything at the end. Yeah, that's that's become that's the that's something that movies now do with regularity. Oh, they yeah. have uh, somebody going to their their talent show or whatever it happened in uh, Fist Fight. Um, <laughs> It happened in uh, it happened in Logan Lucky, although they twist it because he she's going to sing Umbrella. Oh yeah, and that's then, right. Yeah, then yeah, she yeah. she ends up switching the song, but what but, does she switch it to? It's uh, uh, God West, Vir- Vir- West Virginia. Oh, Country Roads. That's yeah, right. um, but uh, but yeah, I'm seeing this more often now. Where like it seems like every single time, and maybe it doesn't happen as much as I think it does, but. It seems like every time somebody's got that talent show, they've got that perverse, you know, a lot of bad language and everything. That's something that I have a hard time laughing at in movies a lot of times because I'm like, because everybody just kind of like just docilely listens to it in shock (laughs) instead of like taking the person off the stage and everything. (laughs) Am I remembering wrong? Isn't there a talent show in Mean Girls where like that kid from the mathletes is like a shock comic? Oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. Do, that's when they do their uh, they do their skimpy outfit dance. Uh, <laughs> but he doesn't he do like some kind of like <laughs> like roasting humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to watch that scene again. <laughs> yeah, he uh, does. But yeah, you're right. I think that has become a thing to subvert the the talent show subverting your expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Ryan Johnsoning of talent shows. <laughs> yes. Did you guys see the? Did you guys see the? Do you guys watch any Red Letter Media? Uh, uh i haven't seen any in a while when they did their last jedi re- review which was pretty recent they waited a long time to do it and they didn't like the movie but they said something about Ron- i hired ryan johnson to weed my lawn <laughs> or he <laughs> he put weed killer or wait I, I hired johnson to do something in my lawn and he killed all my plants he told me he was subverting my expectations <laughs> 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 sorry i like ryan johnson yeah yeah, yeah uh the man who fell to earth i've never seen this um, Oh, really yeah um great nirvana song oh wait <laughs> uh, i haven't seen this i don't think is this uh who's in this bowie bowie no but, I never bowie. Seen but you say there's no mu- bowie music in this it's the weirdest thing so this is bowie's first i think first acting gig or first main acting it's the gig. anti-labyrinth yeah exactly um so he's an alien he he comes to earth to get a bunch of water to save his dying planet 
And while he's here, like he, because he's got an alien brain and all that stuff, he starts in, inventing stuff that we don't have. So he gets super rich. And when he gets super rich, he gets into drugs and alcohol. And he gets <laughs> into this, this girl, Candy Clark. And so I want to see this movie right now. Oh, it's so great. It was on movie not too long it ago. Sounds actually. awesome. And, and, uh, so yeah, he, like he spends, you know, ages and ages and ages here, but he doesn't age. And Bowie plays it with so, like, he's dynamic in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's stoic at first. He's got to put on a human face. And then it's, he's, you know, once he gets all drunk and loopy and stuff like that and, you know, having sex with Candy Clark and all that, it's, uh, it's wild, man. It's, it's a really good movie. The music, Apparently, there's some weird fucking contract thing to where he couldn't write any music, nor could they use any of his hmm. music in this movie, even though he was the star of it. Oh, so he was probably, I guess he was under contract with a label, yeah. and any songs that he came out with yeah. would have been owned by that film studio instead of, what a weird world we live it is. in. It um, is, but it's really, really good. I may have to watch this Nicholas shit. Rugg did this nicholas rug okay r-o-e-g Rug. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the missing one of the many middle <laughs> movies that ron howard's made in his oh, this is the ron howard one. yeah so this is tommy lee jones tommy lee jones kate blanchett Ev- evan rachel wood saw it once thought it was pretty decent yeah the same here it's fine yeah he's like got a got a comanche name or something like that or a native american name and yeah, they have to fight off. Oh no, it's it's a bunch of traffickers that are coming through and taking the women, and and selling them and stuff like that. And they're going after they're missing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know what Comanche means. Sorry, I'm quoting Heller Highwater. You're not with me. What does it, what does it mean? <laughs> what did he say? So enemies of everyone. Uh, and yeah. then Ben Foster's like, you know what that makes me? Comanche. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch this movie again. It's so good. Then we have the Muppet movie, which was the first Muppet movie, right? That's right. Moving yeah. right along. Footloose and fancy free. Actually, uh, this movie is magical. Yes, it is. I don't know that there's very much New Mexico in it. No, it's, it's where they break that, down in the middle of the, the desert. The, that's where the frog leg guy and yeah. the giant animal and the old west ghost town and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. God, I got to watch this again. I haven't uh, seen it in forever. I uh, love it. <clears throat> I haven't. I have never seen this. <laughs> you you would the... love it. Yeah. <laughs> if you liked the one with Jason Siegel, which mm-hmm. I think you did. Yeah. Uh, the reason I liked that one so much is it's it was the first one to really kind of capture the magic of the first one. Uh all over again like i i would probably still say muppets take manhattan is my favorite mm. muppet movie but i don't think it's quite as magical as the first one. i think this one is the best muppet movie and christmas carol is up there for me christmas carol is i mean christmas carol is you i won't argue against that because it's fucking awesome Muppet movie is great man that's that's got that classic line where Fozzie's driving kermit and everybody and he's like ah bear in his natural habitat a studebaker <laughs> <laughs> well and it's full of like dumb pun humor too like you're gonna come to a, a giant fork in the road <laughs> drive by a literal huge metal fork in the road let's say something quippy like wow i didn't expect that i don't believe that uh and then we have natural born killers oh jesus um so i uh i may be different from everybody in this room i'm not sure i love this movie i think i kind of hate this movie yeah i don't i'm right in the middle (laughs) it's just Uh, it's i feel like it's everyone at their excessiveness Mm -hmm. like the script tarantino wrote 
Oliver Stone's directing, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Mm-hmm. Everything is like dialed up to 11, and it's just, I, I get it. I just, it's too much for me. Yeah, uh, Tarantino did write the screenplay, but he disowned it, essentially, because yeah. uh, Oliver Stone changed what his his idea was to have the killers be celebrities. And that's somewhat that's somewhat shown in the movie, but I don't think anything is anything is really meant to be funny in that movie at all. Um, but uh, I usually don't like it when a movie is this hyper edited and crazy. Mm-hmm. Something about it always worked for me, except certain parts. I didn't understand some of the fucking bullshit he's cutting in there, but um but uh i i thought this was where woody allen uh, woody allen woody harrelson mm-hmm. um officially shed woody from cheers was this was this movie. sure yeah now, that is movie. probably true and uh i really like juliette lewis in it too i like her i like i like her especially in the tom sizemore scene mm-hmm. where sizemore just thinks he's just gonna have you know basically rape her and uh she just like just you know destroys that dude and yeah, everything yeah. but robert downey jr is great now if you want to talk some laughs robert downey jr is hilarious he in is. this this is this is probably at the height of his own coke uh habit probably. i think you're right yeah because i don't want to impugn people's reputation but it seemed like everybody was on a massive amount of cocaine yeah including oliver stone including maybe Woody Harrelson was the sanest one there because he was just smoking his weed in the corner yeah. while everybody else was like. Um, but this was, if this is probably in our lifetimes, one of the most divisive movies that have ever come across. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, cause, cause it is really one of those hated or, you know, I mean, Jeremy's in the middle, but for, I think for the most part, I think you either hate it or love it. And for some reason, I ended up loving it. And Dude. I just love well, how and the- there was, there was a lawsuit. There was a, a real life killing that was there was an attempt to blame it on this movie Wasn't because the grisham behind that John no grisham? grisham quoted grisham spoke out about it oh, okay. but he, i don't think he had anything to do with the lawsuit i i did a speech in college about this whole thing mm-hmm. um that's why i remember it so well but yeah there was the there was it basically went into court with the defense of they had seen this movie and it inspired them to do these killings and i honestly it's terrible that i don't remember this but i honestly don't remember how it worked out in real life but huh. i'm guessing that didn't work in terms of being a successful defense, right. um, I want to say they probably ended up going to jail for that because that's such a terrible precedent if that's the case, right? I saw it in a movie, so I'm not responsible for doing it. Oh well, y- yeah, I, I I feel like no matter why they did it, they would end up in jail. Right, yeah. right, right. I would one would hope. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unless it's like the Twinkie defense or something like that. But uh, did you hear? I saw this morning that somebody threw a stale hot dog bun at Bill Cosby and he fell down some steps in prison. Good. Hmm. yeah well i didn't shed any tears <laughs> i was like i was kind of glad it was stale because that probably hurt a little more yeah like a fresh it hot dog bun definitely would... impacted it more if it was a soft bun then it would have just <laughs> bounced off of it was a mosquito right yeah. right you're not gonna get anybody to fall down the stairs that way um but <laughs> but uh <sighs> Yeah, uh, you know, th- this is also a byproduct of JFK, uh, this this Natural Born Killers movie, because in JFK, Oliver Stone was experimenting with all this different film stocks yep. and all this other stuff, and it was, uh, you know, and so I think the success of that movie directly led to this going overboard with yeah. it. Yeah, and um, uses it again in uh, in uh, any given Sunday. Too. Yeah, and I think I think that's basically, I mean, even U Turn kind of does that yep. too. Yeah 
Um, it's basically his style from here on out until it finally just runs it into the ground and everything. But uh, yeah, uh, I, in this room, it's a wreck of worn. Yeah. Uh, picking up the pieces. Have you seen this? No. Oh my god. Woody Allen is in it, but he didn't write or direct it. <clears throat> Alfonso Aral directed. Oh this. yeah, it's the guy who did like Water for Chocolate and mm-hmm. uh, was there's one other one I think, but that's the big one that he. This knows. is a comedy about Woody Allen as like a Texas rancher, New Mexico rancher, I guess, killing his wife and then chopping her up and burying it, the pieces. Uh, but somebody trips over her hand who's blind and it, she she can see again. So they think that this dismembered hand is some sort of like deity. So people start praying to it. it yeah, it's not funny and it's not it's it's stupid. It's it's awful. But let me tell you the cast in this. Woody Allen has nothing to do with writing or directing this, but is, is starring in it. David Schwimmer is the the priest. Kiefer Sutherland is one of the officers. Cheech Marin, Elliot Gold, Sharon Stone, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lou Diamond Phillips, Christ. Fran Drescher. Like, there's a ton of fucking people in this movie. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, awful. And it's forgotten a time. until Well, rightfully so. Like, I forgot all about it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, so Alfonso Ra also directed A Walk in the Clouds, the Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh there you go. nice. Pregnant lady movie. <laughs> um, Speaking of, uh, but go ahead. The other one, that the other thing that he's probably most known for in this room is he was El Guapo in three it's a sweater yeah speaking of woody <laughs> allen um i read you know those like oral histories about movies that come down every once in a oh, while yeah. like that one about goodfellas we all read i was reading one the other day about so i married an axe murder oh and I, I can't fully recommend it because they don't have they didn't talk to mike myers and they didn't talk to somebody else uh might have been Bruno Kirby. Hmm. Somebody else big in the movie they didn't talk to. Um, but they talked to a lot of it, like the original screenwriter. And originally that was set in New York. And the main character was like basically based on Woody Allen. Hmm. Like w- they were playing up his awkward Woody Allen-ness. <laughs> um, and I just thought, what a different movie that would have been. Oh, yeah. And like oh, yeah. everyone involved says that, you know, Mike Myers definitely took the script and made it his it's t- set it in san francisco made it about a scottish redheaded guy instead of a jewish guy and and made it his and put his stamp on it but it, there was clearly some bitterness early on with the original writer because he his vision was kind of stomped on. Hmm. Mm. anyway i thought that was an i'll send it over to you i thought it was an interesting read but it, it i can't give it a full recommend because if you're going to do one of those oral histories you got to talk to every living person that you can especially boys he'd fucking mike myers who plays half the characters in the yeah movie. no kidding man did you see the one on rounders that came out uh, a couple weeks ago mm, this week actually i did not I that one's a I'll, long I'll read. read i'll read the shit out of that though um it's crazy because it's from the the perspective of compliment and uh levine yeah and David how Levian. like levian like they and we'll go all into it and everything but like they were actually a part of not only the screenplay but like the casting process and actually like the the shooting process huh they were there from like soup to nuts yeah and uh it, it's crazy because they were like you know you're, you're sitting there and you're like martin landau's coming uh to set for like five days that's amazing yeah john malkovich is coming into our movie yeah, it's yeah. amazing it's like exactly the way we would probably react if we were in that situation awesome. yeah and they were they were really happy even with when actors like edward norton would change stuff too i remember them talking about it was like you know because i guess there was an, a, a point where they asked him if they were upset about that said, no it's great do keep doing what you're doing you know so yeah um then we're all going to spend the evening reading oral histories about movies (laughs) yes we trade links that that is definitely on my to-do list today then there is rat race um 
uh, this movie, I, I saw it once, uh, and I don't remember much about it, but it was, it's a basically, it's like those, it's a mad, 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 mad world type, you know, movies where everybody gets, a, you know, goes on a cross country scavenger hunt type of thing. This time it was, it wasn't David Zucker who did this one. Um, it was Jerry Zucker. Jerry Zucker who did it. Jerry. Jerry. I knew it was one of those mother Zuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like this movie. Um, it's jo- John Cleese basically is the rich guy who brings together this ragtag group. I don't know if it's ever explained how he chooses them. Um, but it's, you know, a couple dozen people and they're off to the races to find this. I think it's like a million dollars or $10 million mm-hmm. or what have you. And there's like a timed thing. And, um, Wayne Knight is in it. Whoopi Goldberg is in it. Seth Green is in it. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. has a bit of fun um, on a bus full of Lucy, uh, Lucy oh, Ball impersonators. <laughs> um, and the bus breaks down and they all go into that. Oh, Ricky! All at once. And there's yeah. like 30 of them. Um, I, I think this movie is charming and fun, but I certainly wouldn't call it great. Yeah. Uh, and it's about 20... 15 20 minutes too long and like every and it's got a thousand percent too much smash mouth i was about to say it's one of the it's one of the uh like uh 500 movies that had a smash mouth appearance at the end oh, God. somewhere yeah. you gotta be careful though smash mouth is still vigorously defending their honor on twitter to oh this they day. can fuck the hell off Ooh, that'll fucking smash me. mouth <laughs> fucking smash what's, come at me what's bro funny, what's fucking funny mr mouth what's funny though is that they they uh the uh was it so everybody thinks that all-star is the only hit that they've ever had so like people always keep saying that type of thing on twitter like well smash mouth was the only song they have is all-star and then they they always reply something like well we had this and this walking and this walking on the and this. sun and uh <laughs> walking on the sun was fine all right but then after that they fucking suck they fucking suck so they fuck, did, fuck em. uh i'm a believer the monkey song yep. that was they for shrek a, they had a bunch of hits and uh, we should not belittle the fact that they had a bunch of hits. Yeah. But they're shitty. But we should make fun of the fact that they haven't had any in a long time. That's, That's true. right. <laughs> the, they the are, Ray song was They are well it. known for a wide tapestry of songs. They are. <laughs> and you know what? They should. I saw that um, Avril Lavigne is making a comeback. I She's saw that too. Hmm. Well, and it made me think Smash Mouth, the same era. You should come back too, baby. Yeah. We're going to come back to Avril Lavigne, by the way. Oh, good. We're going to come back to Avril Lavigne? Yes. Sweet. Uh, Swing Vote. I did see this. It's a Kevin too. Costner movie where they're, I guess, I guess everybody knows that he is the one vote that can decide. Yeah, his stupid daughter casts his vote for him because he's too drunk and doesn't show up. And she's at the poll because it's really important for all eight-year-old girls to see their daddy's vote. Uh, <laughs> yes. And when he doesn't show up. And of course, the polling place, we're in rural New Mexico, apparently. Mm-hmm. The polling, the polling workers just, they leave to take the trash out or something. She, she scurries over. I just saw, I just saw this like a few days ago. Uh, she scurries over to the voting thing, puts in her dad's information and votes. And then honestly, I, I haven't seen the whole movie in years and I stopped watching at that point the other day. But basically, I think what happens is they find out and then he has to cast his own vote. Mm-hmm. Somehow he gets a do over. And the whole nation knows it. And it's come down to one. Yeah. yeah. So there's this is actually one of the biggest suspension of disbelief asks a movie has ever made. <laughs> if you know anything about government, mm. uh, that, that, a, that a single presidential election could come down to one vote <laughs> is preposterous. It's but not, it's not 
without its charm. Doesn't it? It doesn't have its almost citizen Ruth type thing because you have yes. two sides trying to convince him of what vote he should. Make and ultimately, and I, I'm not even sure the movie tells you who he voted for. It's, oh, really? I think it's more of like the power of him owning his own decision and his right to vote and making a choice and that's all his daughter ever really wanted mm-hmm. i think that's the case he, I don't prob- think it he probably him. wrote in uh, a candidate yeah he wrote in like bob dole who was it uh kelsey Grammer on one side and was it dennis hopper on the other side i don't even remember that i just remember there's something i find likable when costner plays belligerent losers i think you're right like yeah. uh he's doing a little bit of the tin cup kind of characterization mm. in this guy uh and i find that enjoyable no i know i do i i, I enjoyed this I, I don't remember much about it but i enjoyed this movie yeah all right uh then there's thelma and louise we've definitely talked about thelma and louise before uh not sure if we've done it in a road trip segment but mm. uh but i actually recently saw this it came on uh, about a month ago or so i rewatched it it's such a good movie yeah, Thelma and Louise is great. This it is, is a, great. So not a movie that you would expect Ridley Scott directed, but he, <laughs> no, he did. That's true. Um, but uh, it's um, it's uh, it's one of those. I, I I like the plot of it because it's you know it's uh, it's a woman fleeing an abusive situation and everything, and then you know the the whole thing uh, is a powder keg. Once uh, there's the you know she almost gets raped in a parking lot, and Susan Sarandon comes in and shoots the guy, mm-hmm. and it's like a you know it's one of those moral dilemma type type of things. But they go on the run after that and everything, and Harvey Keitel is chasing after them, and uh, but there's a lot of people in this, mm-hmm. like Christopher McDonald's in this, and uh, uh, Brad Pitt obviously Brad Pitt. shows up. Um, but uh these are two uh avril Avril lavigne these are two pretty ladies Mm -hmm. you know uh uh, susan sarandon's kind of funny looking you know like what do you mean (laughs) she's kind of funny looking (laughs) (laughs) but like she doesn't have traditional i don't think features of like model type of looks but man i dig it yeah i've I've always kind of dug susan sarandon yeah (laughs) the last time i spoke about susan sarandon there was a huge misunderstanding so i'm saying nothing Mm -hmm. and Um, and gina davis my god yeah gina davis is an all-timer uh but uh yeah this is i mean it's a it's a buddy road movie when you strip it down Mm -hmm. um and uh but it's really good it's got a great ending it's got a famous ending (laughs) that's right uh parodied in wayne's world yeah and the simpsons that's right how long Uh, before they remake this shit oh god it's it's gotta be within five years right (laughs) early years because i think was it because callie corey wrote the screenplay for thelma and louise and she's recently gotten what what did she was it orange is the new black that she was a part of or something something along those lines i mean but she's her i saw her name pop up recently she's a creator of nashville oh there you go oh okay the city or the show The, the city of course you do you think do you think all those cranes and everything that's government in action it's fucking cali Corey. of course um then we have there will be blood we that's have right. talked about this a million times it's a fantastic movie go fucking watch it that's yes. right watch it again after you're done mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah watch it two times <laughs> um but uh yeah there will be blood it's uh now uh we didn't well, i guess we didn't talk about it in california right but it starts in new mexico is this where his oil uh or the, his the silver, uh, mines. silver mine yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah so that whole 15 minute opening with no dialogue where he's in there mining by his himself yeah yeah he built all of that shit by himself dug all that 
and then fucking breaks his leg and crawls well, his the, ass to the, the fucking thing, bank. That was a thing that some sort of philosophical uh, essay type of thing on this movie was, was talking about was like, you know, you see him crawl out of his mind and he starts crawling and then it just goes to the place where he's he's weighing it and getting the money for it and everything he's like one thing that you may have missed in this whole thing is that that motherfucker crawled from that mine all the way to yeah this it shows you how determined he is in this whole thing yeah uh it's pretty amazing yeah. uh then there's thor by the way mm-hmm. in the in the <laughs> In the uh, the email that you sent us, you have Thor and you have twins, which reminds me of Thor's uh, twins. Thor's twins. Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so so those two movies are back to back there. Um, I may know that movie a little too well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Thor. Um, yeah. Everything on Earth takes place in uh, New Mexico. Yeah. For some reason. For some reason. Well, um, they've got a lot of like research especially like the the city stuff in contact they've got a lot of yeah open have space. we have, have we figured out what the fuck that was is going on there because they they've been studying this like abnormality for like months and months and then finally thor shows up <laughs> like i've never understood that like like did ha, is that is there some sort of like when when uh when he was sent down to new mexico it took months and months for him to get there or no it can't be right Aren't they already Aren't they there? Even saying that it's the bifrost that's what that's what it is yeah, that they're trying that's where to it study goes. and yeah, then of yeah. course it opens when thor arrives so why was it opening earlier that's what i'm saying like well, i think what i'm saying, well, yeah. saying i think people had gone back and forth from midgard to asgard right i okay. think people have made that trip before all right Maybe. i guess odin did if he knew about but, norway but yeah. it wouldn't that be something that's constantly happening see we're gonna get the marvel uh, <laughs> nerds on us on this one uh, right. i've never understood though why they they see an abnormality for months and months and months and then finally thor shows up on one on one fateful night i saw um no it's yada yada for sure i saw a fan theory that jane foster and natalie portman will p- be key to avengers 4 i'm not buying that jane foster and natalie portman <laughs> Jane Foster oh, that'd be is her awesome. Character. She's playing two characters. She's playing Jane Foster it'll and be, she's playing actress it'll Natalie be like Portman. Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they keep making comments about how Jane Foster looks like yeah, Natalie Portman. Exactly yeah. like Natalie Portman. Um, and uh, you know what? I, I have this. I have mixed feelings about these fan theories because, on the one hand, I love fan theories. I love that people get passionate enough to try and come up with. I came up with all kinds of Matrix fan theories, but I just didn't have Twitter to put them on. Um. But at the same time, there's such a long wait for Avengers 4 that they're starting to get ridiculous. I saw a detailed one the other day, and they, any any fan theory with much thought put behind it, even an ounce, ends up getting articles written about it on comic book and movie websites and blogs and whatnot. And I saw one that was like, Avengers 4, is, they're going to undo Thanos' snap as a way to introduce the X-Men and Fantastic Four. <laughs> and I'm just like, do you, do you not have any concept of how movies get made? Yeah. That do you think that could happen, and we would be surprised by it? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I've derailed. But uh, I don't understand. I, I actually don't understand though why New Mexico. Why was this a path? Why? Why? Why wasn't it Norway? <laughs> why, you know, right. Yeah, like, you're gonna have a, a gate to Midgard. Why there? Yeah, <laughs> and and you know, it, obviously, it wasn't always New Mexico. But apparently, there's enough, uh, like Norse, um, 
uh, influence that the that their football team in that town is called the Vikings yeah. and, oh, yeah. and all that shit. You know, oh, like yeah. I didn't, I never understood all that. You talking about some yada yadaing? There's yep. a lot of that going on in Thor. Anyway, enjoyable movie overall. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of Dutch angles in that motherfucker. Our buddy man. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I love. It's such a weird choice. He makes weird directing choices, he man. Does. He sure does. I don't. I don't understand Cinderella. Well, like what this? do you expect? He's European. <laughs> Although at this point, I think the next fifteen years of his career is going to be Agatha Christie and him playing Poirot. It might be. Did he do Dark World? No, no. Okay, that was uh, that dude who did um, Al- Alan Taylor, who was uh, a Game of Thrones, and I think he did Sopranos too. But- mm. And he also did uh, Terminator Genesis. So there's that. Mm-hmm. She goes to show. Goes to show. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on uh, to twins. Uh, <laughs> oh. Okay, let me let me tell you how dumb I was when I was 11 years old. Okay, so there's a part in there where uh, where Danny DeVito, like Schwarzenegger, tells DeVito that we're twins, mm-hmm. and DeVito's like, "Oh yeah, it's like I was looking in a mirror or whatever." I thought that they were pretending like they actually looked alike in that, <laughs> when I That's first funny. saw the trailer <laughs> or whatever. Obviously, uh, it was oh like. 2000 i figured out no (laughs) no um yeah so the premise of twins is that uh that i guess this uh institute is trying to come up with like a superhuman Mm -hmm. and uh and the uh, the egg splits and all the the junk and crap they call it went into devito's uh uh, splice and all the good stuff went into schwarzenegger so like they they were separated at birth they never saw each other and everything and then Schwarzenegger comes in and he meets his brother and then comic hijinks ensue. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like a whole uh, arc about Danny DeVito going out to get laid one night. Yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Yeah. And there's uh, a there's a whole thing with him trying to sell a jet engine. Yeah. He he either stumbles upon a jet engine or I don't know how he gets the jet engine. This is uh, Ivan Reitman. Yeah, Ivan Reitman. Uh and it uh Who later did Junior with this with this crew? Oh, it yeah. grossed 216 million it's a huge worldwide. Hit. Huge hit. I mean, it's not. It it was a funny movie, like you said, when we were kids. But but well, can't remember this. also that uh, Schwarzenegger doing comedies was considered just the funniest thing, yeah. considering his other movies that he had been doing. Well, now, this I is Kindergarten Cop era. Right? Yeah, Kindergarten Cop either came out was it the year before or was it the year after? I think uh, it was the year after. I think it was the year after, but twins might have been that first attempt at him being in a comedy yeah because yeah. when they did junior i remember reading about like he it was he was trying to recapture that magic because yeah he had, he had had his comedy era and gone back to shitty action and it's, he's making like a racer and bullshit like the sixth man yeah sixth day there is a, movie awesome. it's a basketball man. movie about a kid coming off the bench and it's a clone ghost yeah, it's a exactly. ghost cloning movie. yeah uh but yeah yeah twins is uh, twins is a, a 1980s as fuck comedy yeah, it is. uh i doubt that if i watched it today it would there would be anything that was that funny in it but at 11 you better you better believe it was funny oh yeah just the fact that they were twins was funny that yeah was, that was the, how the whole movie got made yeah. what if we made a movie where this guy and this guy are actually twins we'll figure out how to explain it later yeah. but what if that was the visual oh you're all laughing let's make that all right uh then we have and I've, I've and i hate to say it but i've never seen either of the young guns movies really oh, oh man wow 
All right. Have you? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to figure out exactly how hard I want to go at Chris for not having seen them because I, I'm in this era of my life now where I don't want to go at har- hard at anybody for not this seeing them. This might be an instance where you being slightly older makes a difference. It may be. Because I was not allowed to watch. Now, Young Guns 2, I think, was PG-13. Yeah. But I had not seen the first Young Guns, and I still have that weird, even though I could watch Young Guns 2 without any problem, probably. You definitely could. Uh, you would get them mixed up, too. But... But then, uh, you know, Young Guns was definitely R-rated, so I never saw that. Well, you, you aren't you, you aren't missing anything. Mm. It's it's <laughs> listen, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, there are a handful of really memorable moments when they're the shootout at the house when Billy the Kid goes, "Hey, I see you got so and so sharpshooter out there." And he stands up and shoots him and then calls out, yeah, he's not with you anymore, is he? <laughs> uh, it has moments like that, but it is exactly what the Brat Pack making a Western should feel oh, like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it is it is going to feel like a Brat Pack movie, mm-hmm. which keeps it from ever feeling like a true Western. Yeah. But if you can accept that dichotomy, that weird symbiosis... Uh, I think you could have fun watching the second one. I would just give the bird forever. No, There's no reason to watch second, that. Is Christian Slater's in the is second one? Is it the one. second one where the Bon Jovi song comes? Oh, from? Oh yeah, that's uh, the, all, the whole soundtrack was Bon Jovi. He he had written "Wanted Dead or Alive" before, mm-hmm. and they wanted to use it in there. He was like, I don't know if that really has anything to do with. I, I understand the title of the song, but mm-hmm. the actual content of the song doesn't. So then he wrote Blaze of Glory and the rest of the Yeah, shit. it's just one of those movies like Navy Seals or something like that. Yes. Where uh, I wasn't old enough to watch it, and then by the time I was old enough to watch it, it was not anything interesting to me. Yeah. No, I, 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 again, I can't I can't fault you for not watching it. I, if you sat down and watched it, you'd probably be like, why did you want me to watch this? But at the same time, you'd enjoy some No, movies. it's enjoyable. But I, I think both of them are enjoyable. Because the the second one has a bonkers cast, like every young hot dude is, is in this. But it has <laughs> young no, and hot like in nineteen eighty nine or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, well, it's 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 Billy recounting like his younger years, right? Or is no, that the it's first the, one? That's it's Pat Garrett trying to kill him. <laughs> I get those two confused well, exactly. so much. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so that's that does it for the main body of it. We'll go through this uh, list that Barrett has prepared here um ace in the hole which i feel like i thought i saw this but i'm not sure kirk douglas is in this uh it's like uh he's a newspaper guy yeah, yeah. uh but i bet that's a good movie i mean the uh it's got I'm, ace in the title it's got ace in the title it's got <laughs> kirk in his title um then there's and god created woman uh i never saw that it's rebecca de mornay was in that that's right um, rebecca de mornay yeah <laughs> like the seinfeld Yes. ah charity employee <laughs> she's being compared to the sign he tries well he tried george tries to take this sullied book that he took into the bathroom back to the bookstore and they won't accept it they flagged it yeah. so eventually he ends up at this like goodwill store and the woman there he's like uh so he says something to her and says miss and she's like de mornay <laughs> rebecca de mornay but she's like she's not yes. obviously anyway sorry. there's a there's also there's a weird obsession with rebecca de mornay in that series right because there's a part where uh it's the uh the muffin top one yep where the the woman comes in and says i'm rebecca de mornay from the like uh homeless shelter or I whatever think it's the same person. it's the same it's person the same character because i think he's not a not a goodwill yeah but it's like a, oh, yeah. like a homeless shelter he's trying to character. donate to it but um, yeah there still must be some sort of weird 
that, that show had a few weird obsessions. Yeah. Uh, Appaloosa, which I remember coming out. I never saw this. Ed, Ed Harris directed it. He's in it with Vigo Mortensen. Dude, this cast is awesome. Have I you not seen this? I saw it. I saw it once and I liked it, but I don't remember it very well. Yeah, man. Vigo, Renee Zellweger, Jeremy's Iron, Lance Hendrickson. Um yeah that's it's a good uh it's, it's good, good. yeah it's good uh there's a bunch of billy the kid movies apparently yeah there's a ton of billy the kid movies yeah it's funny my son came in when i was doing this list and uh he was like who is billy the kid and i was like well he was an outlaw and he was like well is he kind of like the lone ranger and i was like well no like he did bad stuff and he's like well why are there so many movies made about him and i was like i don't know kid (laughs) (laughs) then there's uh blind horizons got val kilmer and neff campbell is this like a sequel to at first sight or something oh that would be awesome (laughs) it would be awesome blind horizons that's got to be some kind of like air airplane pilot no i think he's like a sick dude and his family comes to visit him Mm. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> then there's a movie called Fleisch, which I nearly misread as Fletch the first time I saw it. It's an organ harvesting movie. The poster. She's running away from this this truck. And then, <laughs> we'll read the description that it's an organ harvesting thing. And it's like. <laughs> It must be good. It's, it's just, it's I like my organ harvesting movies to have Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. In. Yes. It's also German. It's German. It's German. I don't even know why I put it on there. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Then there's, uh, okay, so this is a good Jeremy test here. A movie called The Flock, which has Richard Gere, Claire Danes, and Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I think this one has escaped me. Oh, no. <laughs> what is it about? Oh. It has Jeremy written all over it, I man. I would have seen this. I would have put I would have put Richard Gere in Broke Down Palace before I put him in another movie with Claire Danes that I haven't seen. Uh, hypervigilant employee of the Department of Public Safety who, while training his young female replacement, has to track down a missing girl who he is convinced is connected to a paroled sex offender he is investigating. And that girl is Avril Lavigne. Holy I am shit. definitely watching this at some point <laughs> in the next few weeks. Um, when was, what's the year on it? 2007. 2007. It's right at the height of uh, Avril's popularity. Uh, okay. One of the many uh, movies that uh, has been uh, people felt were responsible for the 90s indie movement gas food lodging yeah did you see this never seen this alice nanders directed this this is why four rooms exist right you have gas food lodging Mm -hmm. and reservoir dogs and el mariachi and whatever uh, alexander rockwell did Mm -hmm. but uh anyway alice nanders was one of those seen as up-and-comers who was going to be one of our big directors and everything and uh guess wasn't Uh, i don't know i always confuse this one in my mind with that one about the girl and the grill Girl on the Spitfire grill? grill? Oh, Spitfire Grill. Holy <laughs> shit. Has that got Amber Tamlin in it? I don't know. <laughs> no. But you say gas, food, and lodging, and I am I feel like I'm looking at the poster for Spitfire Grill. Uh, my brain makes weird connections. Yeah, that's a little weird, man. She did uh, She did Paris, Texas, Alice and Anders, and uh, she did one of the four rooms thing. I mean, really? A Crush on You is a TV movie? The Lie? Ring of Fire? Like... Ring of Fire? Ring of Rain of Fire? Or Rain? No, Ring of Fire. It's a TV movie. Um, God, she just has not done anything that I even recognize after four rooms. Yeah. That's a, that's weird. Oh, she's done she's done some uh, TV. She did Sex in the City, Riverdale, Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. By the way, Amber Tamblin was not in the Spitfire Grove. 
Oh, okay. Somebody named Allison Elliott was. <laughs> um, then we have um, High Noon. Uh, I know I've seen this. I don't. I don't actually remember it though. I've seen it on The Sopranos when Tony Soprano is watching Gary Cooper movies, mm-hmm. and High Noon is usually on there. Yeah, uh, never seen it. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that much of a Western guy that you know those type of movies like really resonate with me a lot. But I, I do remember seeing that. And then there's Hondo, Hondo, which I never saw that, but I do remember there being a 3D uh television broadcast of this uh back in like the 90s really and you could get 3d glasses and watch hondo on your regular ass television (laughs) and watch it in 3d and so like yeah like occasionally a fucking arrow would come at you or something Uh, but I still to this day, and you know what? I probably dreamed that. That probably didn't happen. Oh God, I hope not. That sounds just <laughs> stupid enough to be real. I like some you... some executive in the '90s was like, "Let's do a big 3D televised version." Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I know I got the perfect movie, Hondo. Yeah, all the kids are talking about it. Yeah, I said I didn't say, see it, but I did see parts of it because I wanted to just kind of see what the 3D was like uh-huh. or whatever. But. Uh, yeah, watch that be completely off. I'll be completely <laughs> fucking. I'm gonna wrong. be crushed if that's the case. I will be too. Uh, then there's uh, Maze Runner: The Scorch Trials. Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it. Uh, you know what? I've seen all the Maze Runner movies, yeah. and that one's the worst one. If that's saying anything. How many? Three. There's, there's yeah. three of them. Yeah. Um. Then there's Outrageous Fortune, which I never saw. Bette Midler and Shelley Long. Uh, did you ever see this? I bet it was adorable. I'm sure it was uh power uh sydney lamette uh directed this another richard gear movie i never saw this either uh then the new predator movie was shot in new mexico mm-hmm. or is, is, is was it a roswell set yeah. yeah sitting there uh then uh stagecoach is an all-time classic it's a john ford uh, yeah that's uh has uh almost every director sites is i haven't seen it in forever but uh good movie yeah um and i know that some people out there are like stagecoach deserves a lot more talk but uh you know sorry yeah this is the world we live in mm. right there's too many good movies past and present and future we gotta stop film fans have gotta stop like pinning people to a wall <laughs> And saying your opinion doesn't count because you haven't seen X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, really, we shouldn't say that about any movie ever. Uh, the Tao of Steve. Is that, is that, um, Donald Logue? Yeah. It is Donald Logue. Yeah. Good stuff. Have you guys not seen this? He's like, this is another blockbuster thing that I've gone past a yeah. million times, but he's like a Lothario or something like that. Right? Um, yeah, he definitely thinks so. Oh, okay. It's more that he has his own life philosophy that, well, I don't remember it well enough to speak that confidently about it. I just mm. remember really liking it, uh, and it sort of exposed me to Donald Logue uh, in ways I hadn't been. He exposed himself to you? Prior, yes. <laughs> He's always exposing himself. <laughs> uh, Donald Logue, I wish that guy would come back, man. Like, uh, Well, his daughter, he had that whole daughter. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, never mind. But, oh, no, she's, she, I think they found her. She's okay. She came back. And he was oh, in, she, uh, she, he's in Cloverfield Paradox. So oh, that's right. Showed up. So he's still doing some work. Yeah, he's the guy on the guy in the. They're watching the news broadcast news. from space for some reason, and he's oh, the talking. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, then there's uh, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I never seen. Boom! Seen this. Don't watch it. Yeah, this is the, this is the classic. <laughs> came out in the era of Pulp Fiction. Cast some famous people. Super rapid fire dialogue. Crime drama. Go. 
Uh-huh. And it just doesn't come together at all. There is a literally a town called Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- the action takes place there. Hmm. It wants to be way the dog and it's barely a whimper. This, uh, mm. it, it struck me. I, I can't believe that. Did I say way of the dog? Yeah, you did. Way of the <laughs> you gun. Mean the way of the way gun, of the gun. McClory thing, right? Uh, I was, uh, the vanishing came on the other day and I was watching that. Kiefer Sutherland, this is a remake of a movie. I just recently bought the the original because I haven't seen it, but uh, the vanishing. Have, have you guys ever seen that? Oh yeah, yeah. The Kiefer Sutherland is uh, is uh, his girlfriend is Sandra Bullock. They go to a gas station. She mysteriously disappears. Uh, he looks for her for you know a, a long time. Never gives up. Finally, he runs. He meets Nancy Travis. Nancy Travis is his new girlfriend, but he's still obsessed with Sandra Bullock. I was sitting there like, I was like, how old was Kiefer Sutherland in The Vanishing? This came out in 1993. Mm. I've always thought Kiefer Sutherland was like one of those guys who's easily in his like 60s by now or whatever. He was 26 when wow. he did The Vanishing. Mm. Wow. I was, or 27 or something like that. It was, it was like, it just blew my mind. It just goes to show what wow. it is, what time does to, you know, when you look at, when you look back, you thought, oh, he's so much older. This happened this week. When Will Smith turned 50. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was, because like Will Smith celebrating his 50th birthday, I was like, come on, that asshole is 60. Yeah. He's not 50 because right. I'm 43 and yeah. I, there's no way he's only seven years, but he is. It's yeah. because they do so much stuff, or at least in their prime, they do so much. Kiefer was in everything in like the, the late 80s to mid 90s. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That means in Stand By Me, he really is about the age that he's supposed to right. be. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, is... Uh, it blows my mind thinking about that. Uh, then we have John Carpenter's Vampires. That hey, movie is terrible. It's awful, awful, uh, awful. It's so bad. And then Wild Hogs, which is also bad, but it made gobs of money. Yes, it did. <laughs> oh it my God. It was the, mo- I, 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 this is one, one of those movies that I'll always remember because I'll, 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 you know, I'm usually really good about figuring out if a movie's going to do well or not. And I was like, eh. Yeah, it'll do okay or whatever. And then it had an opening weekend of like 40 fucking million dollars or some shit. It was something, but it was, it, it tapped into motorcycle enthusiasts, road trip enthusiasts, uh, geriatric comedy enthusiasts. <laughs> yep. And it somehow collected this <laughs> massive audience. I'm honestly shocked they haven't made a few more of these. Since. Oh, me too. I, I, and I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, Maybe it's some Tim Allen type maybe shit. William H. Macy found his dignity again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe so. Uh, but yeah, Travolta and all that. Good God, the fuck, man! Did and, you ever see it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it sucks. Yeah. And it made a <laughs> bunch of money. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, New Mexico, guys, and we're gonna get to some recommended warns yeah. and even questions and questions. That's right, Holy baby. shit! It's what a what a fucking podcast. Thank you, New Mexico. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. All right, what do you got? Um. Okay, so for my recommend, I'm going to go with Three Identical Strangers. Oh, oh you I still like haven't this? gotten to that. It's uh, it's very, very good. Um, obviously, you know the. I mean, from the trailer, you know the main crux of it is that uh, you know uh three three i uh three triplet or just triplets were uh separated and uh didn't know about each other and then one day uh one of them goes to a school that the other one had attended had left and so a lot of people at the school were like hey glad you're back and everything and he's like 
I don't know what you're talking about. And, and he runs into a, a buddy of some sort and he's like, he's like, Oh, okay. I know what to do. I, I, cause I, cause he's like, I know that this guy didn't go back to school. I know he didn't. So I know where he is. I'm going to call him and they call and that's where their first, the, the, the first two mm-hmm. sort of, sort of first talk to each other and they drive him over and they meet each other and all that. And then of course the big news story that occurs from it, the third one emerges. Yeah. So, Obviously, there is a lot more to the story uh, than just "oh, isn't that isn't that weird that uh, this happened?" The why of it is fucked up, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, I'll let you guys when you watch it, you know, uh, see it for yourselves. I think I've heard about the why, and I think it's yeah. I, I, wouldn't, it's, I wouldn't be shocked if you've heard of the yeah, why yeah, yeah. actually, because it is it's very much geared towards yeah, yeah, yeah. your former field yeah it's um it's very interesting i'm very interested in this story yeah and uh there's also even more to it too because the the fun the fun like in front of the cameras type stuff uh there's an interesting psychology to that as well um how we we want them to be so much alike Mm. that we'll we'll look at all the stuff that they're the same in but we won't look at their differences Mm -hmm. and that's another big part of that interesting so uh fantastic it's a it's exactly the the way you know a documentary should be so there's nobody showing up unexpectedly and asking gotcha questions or anything like that or spraying water onto no, a no, house. No, no, no. There's none of that. Like that. No, no. I no. thought that's what documentaries. And are. I think they may have paid their sound guys. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <Sing>. Perfect. <laughs> um, my warn. Now talk about movies that I grew up uh, hearing about and never, never got around until to seeing until very recently. Cocktail. Oh my God! I I passed this on the TV guide like two or three this days is, ago. Was what, that when you were watching it? Yeah, Dude, probably. This, so. a, this is a warn. Yes. What? Oh, this man. movie is shit. No! Guys. Awful. No! No, yeah. it's lovely. Nostalgia, no. baby. Dude. I saw it not too long ago. N- it's fine. Oh, this movie is such shit. Oh, think about come it. On. Think about it for a second. <laughs> I don't so. want to think about you are going to think about it because I'm sitting there like I just wanted to be entertained like, oh, this is going to be some 80s nostalgia, whatever. Won't be a big deal, whatever. And then I'm sitting there like, OK, so beginning of the movie, he gets a bartending job and he's like going around trying to get jobs like on Wall Street and Madison Avenue and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And I was like, OK, all right, all right. And then he ends up, uh, you know, uh, he ends up being full time bartender with Brian Brown, who I I have pulled out of my ass. By the way, Brian Brown, I pulled out of my ass. Nice, I, uh, nice. I the actual Brian Brown. Um, no, I. It was one of those weird things. I was like, I was like, okay, that guy. I've seen him before, and I've never seen FX or FX two or. Mm-hmm. It's been, uh, just like I think that's Brian Brown, and sure enough, he is was he Australian. Or he's he, Australian. Yeah. yeah. yeah um so he's full-time bartender with this guy and then there's a point where uh gina gershon shows up and and cruises starts a relationship it's fully sexual right off the bat and everything brian brown makes a bet with him to prove a point and then they have a fight yeah. and then he goes to fucking goddamn jamaica yeah, yeah. man <laughs> 
and it has no bearing on anything. He cannot. He no, goes, he's so emotionally broken by that moment. I have to go to Jamaica and start my own bar. <laughs> but you're, you're you're missing all the good stuff of them flipping up the bottles and doing that, the hippie hippie shake and shit like that. That's good. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, no, it's not good it's at all. It's like oh, it's 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 good for a trailer. It's not good for the movie. The movie, oh. I was like, uh, the movie, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But they but they they, they 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 draw in the crowd like he is his mentee. Uh, yeah, Brand's just for that one part, though. The rest of it, there's none of that. Well, he comes back into his life, and uh, they reestablish. No, the, this their movie gets even stupider. <laughs> they go, they're, they're in. He's in Jamaica, and then it, like uh, Elizabeth Shue comes up and yeah. is like, uh, "Got a friend who's all fucked up." He goes <laughs> over. <laughs> And he goes and he's like, he goes over there and he says, eh, probably okay, but let's call an ambulance. And he's a big fucking hero after that. <laughs> she and him start getting together after that because, oh, you call, you got somebody else to call an ambulance for. <laughs> what a hero. What a great guy. I could have done that shit. And, um, but we all know it's not because he called the ambulance or he got somebody else to call the ambulance. It's because it's Tom Cruise. That's right. He's 26 at the time yeah. this movie comes out. And uh, and so, like, they start dating, and it's like, oh, it's all fun and everything. Uh, he They have sex at a waterfall, and... <laughs> And and that's probably where she gets impregnated, but that's not that's uh that's later on down the down the road. Um, so on a bet, Brian Brown comes to Jamaica because he's gotten married to Kelly Lynch, and uh and he gives he gives him a bet that he can't get this this rich girl in bed or something like that. This is after they've had, he's had all these wonderful times with Elizabeth fucking shoe <laughs> who is at the height of her powers, yeah. Elizabeth shoe. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll take that bet because you're Brian Brown. And we had a thing in New York. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. And then, so he fucks this girl. He fucks this girl. And Elizabeth shoe sees that he's taking her off <laughs> drunkenly and everything. And like, she leaves and like cruise for like 10 minutes of the movie is actually trying to make this rich woman relationship work. <laughs> yeah. It's the most goddamn bullshit movie I've ever seen in my yeah. life. He gets in a fight with the, like a sculptor yeah. and he like knocks the guys like, he's like, Hey, how did you get the cockroach to stay in place to make this? And they get in a big fight. And then he's like, he's like, okay, I really want to lose the shoe back. Goes to, goes to her father's penthouse and goes, what did you expect? That was a bet. You have to take a bet in America. Brian Brown told me that I had to take this bet. And then she reveals that she's pregnant. And then he's like, oh, I really want to be with you now and everything. This movie is fucking terrible. No. Oh, my God. I have a, I've enjoyed not having anything to say no, right now. No, everything that you just described is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're missing... You're missing cocktails and dreams. You're missing. You're missing fucking Kokomo. No one would go to that bar, by the way. Cocktails and dreams. Nobody would go to that. Oh, that's it reminds me. Of the even more bonkers part of it is that Brian Brown is in this relation. Is this married to Kelly Lynch? And Kelly Lynch is obviously like wanting to bang more guys and everything. And there's a part where she's like, she's, she's talking to Cruz, trying to seduce Cruz, and she's like, uh, she's like, what was I supposed to do? One man for the rest of my life? And he's
he's like, yeah, that's marriage. <laughs> and, and, and like, so there's a point where they're at this big boat party and everything. And Brian Brown tells him like, you know, my life is shit. You would, you wouldn't believe how shit it is. And, uh, there's the thing with Kelly Lynch. He comes back to the boat. Brian Brown has killed himself. And, uh, and so like, uh, and so like, oh, and then he sees the one note on the bulletin board that says cocktails and dreams. Yep. And he makes that, that's, that's his bar. I've told you the whole movie. Yeah. You have. Oh, by the way, Elizabeth Shue, who is pregnant, uh, has a champagne, has champagne at the end of it. Oh, too. Nice. Just a little bit. No, oh, no. She, she fucked up that kid. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, that's a massive warn. I've told you the whole movie. I'm though. telling you, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I, I love it. I love it. Do not. I've probably seen it within the last year or so, and it confirmed how okay. much I love that movie. All right. I'm watching the beginning of the end of a friendship. <laughs> <laughs> cocktail destroyed my friendship <laughs> wow yeah. um all right well i'm gonna do a i'm gonna cheat a quick recommend um if you haven't ever seen it is, is uh alfred hitchcock vertigo mm-hmm. oh, was on yeah. the other day i've yeah. only seen it once and that was when i was a teenager i actually may have seen this exact same time you might have um and i was passively watching meaning i was doing some work on the computer and then turning to watch every now and then and one of the things that this movie it's so quiet for so long because it just goes for 10 12 minutes without dialogue while he's like following her and watching her walk to places and mm-hmm. look at water and whatnot because hitchcock had this restraint i bet the script for vertigo is like 42 pages mm-hmm. uh because there's so much of just watching the action and and that that becomes the tension you mm-hmm. don't have to explain everything away god i had such a good time watching it it made me realize i like there's probably a bunch of Hitchcock I haven't ever seen. I need to go watch. Yeah, this is one of those one of those movies where like your protagonist is really not a good guy, mm. right? Um, he uh, that that's one of the th- it's uh, there's a whole psychology to the male gaze in this movie that uh, they they cover and I, I don't remember who it was that had the uh, there was some documentary I saw or whatever showing the scene where he's in the museum mm. and he sees her for the first time or whatever what looking at that painting and he's like you know it would seem like what she's seeing is important here but we are always drawn to what he is seeing mm-hmm. but yeah the the whole thing where he's like trying to make her back into oh jesus that thing is is mm-hmm. it's some of the most grotesque shit you'll ever see jimmy stewart do in a mm-hmm. movie it is um but it it is utterly fascinating at yeah. the same time it's a gut punch of a movie i think it's just it, i had forgotten how great it was and yeah. I, you know i don't want to be the guy on a podcast being like have you ever heard of this movie called vertigo so i have a wreck warn and a warn my wreck warn is a movie called anthropoid um <laughs> heard of it. it's not as crazy as it sounds i promise i know you're picturing like space like lizards <laughs> i am space <laughs> lizards. this is actually about a real uh assassination attempt during world war ii in, in czechoslovakia um where um and it's this stars uh jamie dornan uh, from 50 shades of gray and killian murphy hmm. um and the only other name I recognized was Toby Jones. But hmm. they're both Czechs who had gotten out of the country prior to Nazi, Nazi occupation. There are in the country a network of underground true Czech patriots who communicate with London, which is where most of the Czech government has fl- fleed fled? to. Fled to. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just take out an E. Um, 
And then they come up with this mission where there's this high-ranking Nazi official who's running the country in Czechoslovakia, and they're going to assassinate him. Um, and so Jamie Dornan and Killian Murphy are the two guys that sneak back into the country and then have to convince the resistance that they're actually Czechs who were actually sent from London because at that point they had lost communication with London. And it's basically the story of them planning this assassination and then attempting to carry it out and the fallout after. It's a wreck of war for a few different reasons because well, this is directed by a guy named Sean Ellis who made a movie called Cashback. Uh, about a grocery store stopping time. I, rem- I think I remember this movie. I don't th- didn't see it though. Okay. Um, and uh, there's some cool stuff in here, uh, and it gave me vibes at times that a little a little bit Inglorious Bastards without the humor, a little bit um, Munich hmm. in terms of the planning of the assassination stuff, and then it ends in this huge shootout where they they've escaped to this church and the Nazis have figured out they're there and they're in. They're, they're grouped in two different groups in the basement and up in the top level and the Nazis storm them. And it's like 20 minutes of this shootout that was almost it's not saving Private Ryan esque, but it's really watchable. And I was struck by how good Jamie Dornan was in this movie, because honestly, I have not seen him do anything outside of Fifty Shades. What, what um, did he do before Fifty Shades? Like, something on TV, maybe? I think he was on some something on TV, oh, okay. like one of those shows I never watched, mm. like spartacus or something <laughs> yeah uh, it probably was something like that. rome or something he was in marie antoinette oh yeah that's right he's a, a everybody was asshole. in yeah every fucking uh, tom hardy wasn't he in uh, marie yeah antoinette? i think he is in that yeah anyway if you're not gonna watch it and go that was an a plus jeremy good good recommend <laughs> but you're gonna enjoy yourself enough that you're not gonna hate me for telling you about this movie and if you if you want to explore the story, I looked it up. This was a real assassination attempt of a real official. Hmm. Uh, so it's at least historically based. Obviously, I don't know how much of what we see actually happened. Um, but it's weird for a movie to have people in it like that that I recognize. And it's only from like 2016. It's only a couple years old. Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, Arth- Anthropoid was the name of the mission. What a weird... Or Arthropoid, Anthropoid, whatever it is. That was the name of their secret mission, and hence the name of the movie, which sounds like a sci-fi movie, but it's not. Jamie Dornan <laughs> was also in Once Upon a Time, uh, TV show. Oh. He's the Huntsman. Uh, and uh, then there was um, The Fall, another TV series that okay. uh, he's been on before. So right. well, I was impressed. I thought, you know, maybe there's life for him after Fifty Shades, yeah. after all. Because in Fifty Shades, granted, it's oh, probably not so... him, but he doesn't show us anything in that. There's Even nothing. Dakota Johnson shows us some charm in those movies and i'm not that's i'm not you're not putting those in my butt (laughs) yeah there you know what yeah yeah jamie dornan doesn't show anything that that character is so awful like there's just yeah there's no room for it i don't think um i warn is a movie called the neighbor that i kind of regret watching why are you laughing have you seen this you never cease to come up with movies that are completely off of my radar. That's well, that's if, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I think that's just a function of how I watch television, how I choose to put something on the television. Most often going to be something I've never seen. This is not The Neighbors. No, no. And honestly, or Neighbors. Yeah, I was about to say, not even well, the, na- the Neighbors was the John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd one. And then Neighbors was the Zach. Well, Ep- and yeah. I tried Googling this movie and Neighbor, The Neighbor was some last minute live die repeat title they slapped on it it had some other title like one last nest to roost or some bullshit (laughs) (laughs) and and they changed it because there was (laughs) another property that had that title this is william fickner is in this uh which is the only reason i decided to watch it Mm. um and i think he's the only name well actually michael the guy who played 
Lex Luthor on Smallville. Oh, Michael uh, Rosenblum. Ro- yeah, Ro- Rosenblum. yeah, it's not Rosenbaum. He's in this. Mm. Uh, and then the, the woman playing Fickner's wife, I recognize her, but I didn't know her name. But basically, he's this guy who's got a college-age son who's just come back home from school for a weekend or a summer. His marriage is dull, and a young couple moves in next door, Michael Rosen, whatever, and hot girl. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's basically so consenting adults. He's like a writer, <laughs> and he likes wa- watching out the window while she swims in the pool. It is consenting adults. Yeah. And then he starts hearing them fight when he's out in the backyard tending his tomatoes. And then at one point he hears what sounds like somebody might have struck somebody else. Huh. And it for about half the movie, it's playing this. Is he is he paranoid? Is he crazy? Just by inserting himself into their lives, almost trying to be like rear window or disturbia or disturbia, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but then like he ends up having a conversation with the girl next door are you okay? And then she reveals that they fight a lot. They end up kissing. Mm. And he's not... Listen, you see Billy Fix. You're, you want to get up in there. Mm-hmm. He's not even played as somebody who's handsome in this movie. But they kiss. Then his wife either finds out... I can't re- quite remember, but his wife basically makes him move out. Um, because she... I think she discovers they kissed, or at least that he's watching this other girl. Uh, and then it just kind of turns into run-of-the-mill... He actually is like an evil guy who's trying to hurt her. And William Fickner goes over there trying to stop it, but ends up like killing that guy. And then the girl's mad at him and he loses everything. It's just really not very good. <laughs> and I, I, if you come across it and you're like, William Fickner staring at a hot girl, maybe I'm telling you right now, yeah. just keep clicking. Oh, my God. What do you got? Uh, my recommend is a full throated uh, thumbs up for a simple favor. Oh, <laughs> I I didn't know really what to expect with this because I heard it was like twisty and turny and like we didn't know if it was a comedy or a drama or like a thriller or that kind of thing. It's got elements of all that. Okay. So it poured in in like perfect equal measure. I shouldn't say perfect. Is it, the movie's is it, not perfect. Is it like The Gift, the uh, the Joel Edgerton? Much movie? more comedic okay. than this. It's a black comedy. It's got some really fucked up things in it. It's got some really fucked up things. In oh, really? It. But- it's it's so fascinating. So Anna Kendrick plays this mommy vlogger uh, who is basically the super mom. Like she's out there doing stuff. Uh, she doesn't have a job. Uh, she's widowed. And uh, Blake Lively comes in as like this superstar, everything like fashion mogul and stuff like that. And through their kids, they strike up to, to be a friendship. And I'll kind of stop it there because after that, movie goes off the rails and like in all of the the most fun ways like oh, it's really? not it's not if i went back and like send this movie or like you know really thought about the logic there's probably some shit that like they they yada yada and hand waved about but i was down with it man mm-hmm. i was it, it, it's it's blake lively is probably some of the best i've seen her uh play like i really like the shallows but this is a completely different character mm-hmm. and anna kendrick man is just on fire like adorable mischievous like to to a certain extent like it's it's kind of like a distillation of like all of her best characters mm-hmm. huh. it's very very good nice all right and i think i think you guys would probably like it yeah did they do any acapella singing in the shower uh anna kendrick does some singing along to like a serge gainsbourg soundtrack i don't know what that means <laughs> he's a french jazz uh guy yeah it doesn't sound like the same thing yeah uh okay i've got a wreck of warn too okay and i'm really want you guys to to start watching this so i can 
Make Sure I'm Not Insane, Maniac, which is on Netflix. Oh. So this is Carrie Joe Fukunaga, uh, who did True Detective. And Boy, Joe- you, you, you attacked that name with confidence. Yeah, I think I've it's, just seen it so much. It's 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 like Joji. Joji, yeah. yeah. I think he does Joe sometimes. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. He's doing the next James Bond. He is. <laughs> um, and then this is Jonah Hill and Emma Stone mm-hmm. and Justin Theroux. Sally Field is in this. Uh, there's a lot of like character actors that you've seen. And it's. It, have you watched any of this yet? No, I'm. I'm actually eagerly anticipating the next words that come out of your mouth. Well. Man, you could sign me up for this as soon as that first trailer came out, which was about, I don't know, a couple months ago. And Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, cerebral mind-bending thing, looked super colorful and things like that. Fukunaga's fantastic. Um, it, this show doesn't know what it wants to be because like, there's, there's some super emotional beats that it really wants you to get on board with. Jonah Hill is kind of like almost like a Zach Braff Garden State type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emma Stone is like, you know, the opposite of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She's all dour and like making it on her own and stuff like that. Uh, and then there's like elements of like slapstick comedy in here. There's 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 weird like expressionistic type of stuff. It's set in the future, but all the future has like 1980s style uh, computers. Mm-hmm. And it's... I'm going to watch, the, I've gotten six episodes in, and then it goes into like fantastical elements and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to watch the, the the final episode. I think I'm on seven right now. Uh, but I just can't like recommend it mm. because there's elements that are really fun and there's elements that are like really seem important, but then mm. ultimately they kind of cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. Mm. So anyway, proceed with caution. Mm. And I've got a quick warn. Have you guys ever watched The Deuce on HBO? Yes. Do you like it? Yes. Wow. Maybe I just haven't given it enough of a chance. Have Have you watched this at all? No, and I should be first in line because I like everything Simon oh, does. It's David Simon. David right? Simon and, and all that. All those guys. Pretty much. You have um, uh, George Pelicanos. Anyway, I think I think the show, and I haven't gotten through the entirety of the first season. It's in its second season. Uh, I I just don't really want to live in that world. Like it's a it's a it's a grody world. It's uh yes, it's about porn and it's about prostitution stuff like that. Making it on the streets of I think it's seventies uh, mm-hmm. Manhattan or New York, and it's, uh, I, just, I just don't want to live in that universe. No, um, I can see that, but it is also an interesting period in time, and this is where I think they sort of uh, flourish is when they talk about the political side of it and the cops and all this other stuff where they're. There's an active movement, and we know that Giuliani is the first mayor that comes in and actually cleans all this stuff. That's why Times Square is the way it is now when you come to see it. But this is the Times Square where there was porno theaters all over the place. Um, yes, there is a lot of prostitution and porn and all that, but there's also people trying to start up uh, businesses without the aid of the mob, and there's a lot of mob stuff and everything. And it's just uh, there's a it's an interest. I think it's an interesting look at a an era in time and what facilitated all of this uh, going on and everything because at the beginning of it they can't even they can't even do regular porn because new york has some sort of community standards thing which by the end of the first season you know david crumholtz is like is like uh well we can show penetration now and and maggie gyllenhaal is like why is that and it's like well something about new york's community standards is like what are they he's like 
we don't have any. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is fantastic in it. She um, is good. Um, and uh, James Franco plays two different. You know, he plays he twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I yeah, I really do like it. I don't. I know it's kind of it's kind of grungy, but I think that is sort of its no sure. Point. Yeah, yeah, and it, it does that very well. It's just like. It, it, it's also a little bit too slowly paced for my my uh, my tastes. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Well, then you may not like The Wire. Then uh, I've tried The Wire, but I I need to try it again. You're a dick, Barrett. <laughs> I know. Just just I'm I also like cocktail. the beginning of the end of a friendship <laughs> yeah. today. Hey, we've got time for questions. Questions. Hey! Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. I want the one. truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to do that drop again for the first well, time. You know what's funny is uh, that could actually fit the first question. It probably could. Yeah. What is your favorite scene between a protagonist and antagonist? This person has two excellent suggestions. First answer would be the Requiem scene between uh, Mozart and Salieri in Amadeus. Mm-hmm. Very good. And the runner up would be the prom drop off scene in Spider Man Homecoming, which I've seen. <laughs> which I've seen probably about 30 times at this point. <laughs> I don't know why, but whenever it's on, I land on that scene and I'm going to watch it all I the tweeted just the other day, but I was watching that movie again and had never noticed this before, but it does that English beat montage where Aunt May is teaching Peter how to <laughs> dance. Or later. Yep. Yeah, but the lyrics foreshadow hard what's going to happen because it's like, uh, sooner or later you'll run away and let me down. He's going to leave the dance and let down his date. And there's another line that says, save it uh, for later. Hit the ground. Um, you'll be found out. And it's ah. right before Michael Keaton's character f- finds him. And again, I-, I could just be reading into that. Uh, I don't want to believe that. Oh, I fucking love that. Movie. I do too. <laughs> it's a great scene. What do you think? Protagonist and antagonist. Uh, I'm going to go with George McFly and Biff Tannen um, mm-hmm. in the the car scene just before, just during the Enchantment Under the Sea dance and everything. The reason why I love this scene so much is that George and Marty have concocted this uh this way of him showing that he's a you know he's a fighter he's and all this other type of stuff something that will be easy for him to get through and he'll be able to save the day and everything and this is all going to be staged for him but the exact right thing in george mcfly's life happens and that is biff comes in and takes marty out and goes in and does the very things that marty says he's going to do only it was going to be staged and there's so much at stake with this with this fight because biff has been a bully to him his entire life and he just decides he's he's going to punch this guy and mm-hmm. everything uh it's a it's a lifetime uh, like and you know and if he if he doesn't do it that's the thing that's if, it. if he doesn't do it marty doesn't get born any of that yep. the first t- you also compare it to the first time the first timeline where he didn't have to do this to get Lorraine. Right. But the, the, the side effect of that was that Biff was a bully to him his entire life and still is yep. when, when we come up to the present day and everything. Now that this, this confrontation comes into play, he not only gets the timeline back in order, but he also has vanquished the bully. I said two coats of wax on there, Biff. <laughs> yeah. Don't con me. Now, Biff, don't <laughs> con me. <laughs> Excellent answer. Um, I guess I'll go with uh, 
Uma Thurman and Carradine at the end of Kill Bill. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, um, that's really the best part of that entire It really is. Series. And I don't know if it's because of, like, it may just be because of all the violence that leads up to it, but it feels so much more impactful for the climax of this movie to basically be a conversation yeah. rather than a fight. She's been having these one-on-one fights for two movies now. And, you know, Tarantino's always been really good with words and dialogue, and um, he just finds the right conversation for those two people. That's murky-ass shit between these two. Mm -hmm. Um, There's history. Uh, (laughs) But it plays every bit as exciting as the rest of those two movies do in terms of action. Um, It's it's always been the most impressive scene in in both of those movies to me. And are you saying from the very beginning when she walks in, or like when he uh, truth darts her, or... Pretty much from the very beginning when she walks in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Because you have no idea what to expect. Yeah, and it's just, it's riveting to me. Well, and they have all, yeah, they have all these different things that they, these different faces they have to put on during that whole thing. They have to be one way for their daughter, and they're respectful of that. And he even lets her have, like, a moment with her daughter before that. Then the real shit is about to happen and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is the best part of that whole uh, two Mm -hmm. movies. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day... I am going to remember Tarantino for those great talking scenes. Yep. The beginning, the first scene in Inglorious Bastards, this climactic scene in Kill Bill 2, more than any of the action that he shot. It's the dialogue. Totally stole one of my answers. I did? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's no coincidence that, that we're both picking Tarantino. I'm actually going to go with another one. Now, that that beginning with Hans Landa and the French farmer oh my God. is mm. some of the most tense stuff. He's not... The farmer isn't technically a protagonist or the protagonist mm-hmm. because he is a protagonist because he's hiding all these people. Uh, but the the way that shit builds, and oh. as soon as it pans down mm-hmm. to see the people underneath, it's tense already yeah. before you know that, that yeah. they're there uh, because he's playing it so fucking cool. But the, uh, the one that I just watched recently is the one with Hans Landa and uh, Sashana uh dreyfus oh um where uh he orders her a big glass of milk i guess he knows but he doesn't know he wants to see if she slips up right and he He gets uh it's coffee and he puts cream in it well yeah and he gets her well there's there's two things so he gets cream in his coffee he gives her a big old glass of milk Mm -hmm. and then the strudel has to have cream yeah like she can't start eating it and he's like "Ah, la crema yeah and wait for cream yeah. he's so fucking i've never seen a, a character like that you think he knows that's shoshana i don't know i don't know no i don't i don't think he knows for sure he can't just randomly kill somebody right and i think that he's trying to get her to slip up and if she does then he's got a perfect reason he just, he just knows there's something that that's his talent which that is, which is, is what I have always read that scene as, yeah. is that he he can't, he has a radar for someone that is living some measure of a lie, yeah. and he picks up on that in her, but can't pursue it if she doesn't slip up. Yeah, yeah. But I never actually thought that he was connecting her to that opening scene at any point, and maybe he is. I just, I've never watched the movie thinking that. Yeah. I always just thought he thought there was something off about this theater owner, and so he was going to give her the one. Oh, song. yeah. It could it, it could just be that he's trying to find out if she's Jewish or mm-hmm. something like no, that. No, it, it could totally be. And, the you know, she plays it off almost as well as the French farmer does at the beginning. Like, she's just, you know, short answers, you know, mm-hmm. how do you know the guy that came in and all that stuff? He just came into my movie theater, that kind of thing. But 
the way with the smile that he gets in, to, crawls into people's skin mm. uh, is, I, again, I've never seen a character like that uh, before or after. I know he's kind of approximated those types of characters in uh, in, in other roles, but uh, I, it's just never done as, mm. as expertly as it is here. And a lot of that is Tarantino's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good uh, stuff. You were, you know, it reminds me since you you brought up that scene, uh, Shattered Glass has been coming on a lot mm-hmm. too, and I was watching, I've been watching that of Shattered Glass yeah, it's great. so much. The the Peter Sarsgaard stuff with Chloe Seventy towards the end is so good, where he's he's like, you know, he's like telling her, he's like, he's like, if a guy off the street told you this, all this stuff that happened and everything, you're a good reporter. Would you believe that? Would you believe him and everything? He's like, he's like, when well, he sat there and he told us all these stories and everything, and we let him get away with it because he was entertaining. Yeah, it's indefensible. Yeah, <laughs> don't you know that? And I just, oh, it's so he fucking feels good. Like he's he plays that role so well because he feels the weight mm-hmm. of the shame that is going to befall the publication. Yeah. Right. The integrity is real for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's personally offended that this guy has none. And- it's not unlike Albert Brooks and William Hurt's dichotomy <laughs> in broadcast news. Yeah. Right. Because one is getting by on showiness. And the other is getting by on actual work. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And then he's in, and that character is so much more meaningful too, because he's, he's set up even within the movie as an antagonist. Yeah. And, yeah. and like all the stuff that you see behind the scenes where Glass is sitting there is like, he, he's been against me ever since he came in and blah, blah, blah. And just watching, watching him like lie and everything is just this. This this just makes you Have weary, you ever known man. Known a pathological liar, like in life, because the mm-hmm. way yeah. he asks, whenever somebody comes and says something that he thinks might be danger, he always says, "What's wrong? Are you mad at me?" Yeah, 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 Are yeah, you yeah, mad at yeah, me? yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known people who do that. Yeah, the pathological liars yeah. that I've known do that. Like as soon as there's any kind of what, what? Are you mad at me? Yeah, <laughs> you've done something wrong. It's like the nervous dog in the corner. Who right. <laughs> Hey, time for one more question. One more. Awesome. Hey, hi there. Uh, South African fan here. Woohoo. Hi there. Uh, really love the videos and have been catching up on the podcast. Is there a film within the past decade or so that you guys feel had some interesting concepts or ideas but was lacking in the execution? And if that film got made, which director would you want to be doing it? Again, love that show and the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Now, I racked my brain trying to think of that movie that had that concept that I really liked, and then it just didn't pan out or anything like that. And I could not, for the life of me, come up with one. Because most movies like that, I end up just forgetting. And it's it's a byproduct of this whole movie theater business that i was in just you know constantly seeing movies all <laughs> this movie has what my friends little mind. somebody brought up push the other day and i was like push yeah the i novel remember by some sapphire uh, no the uh uh sci-fi one with Chris dakota, dakota. Oh, not, not precious no um <laughs> it was based on the novel push by <laughs> sapphire uh but uh no I, I i was like now see that one might be a movie that you know that could be a movie that i could see with a better director being something better or whatever but i don't know i ended up landing on these uh friedberg seltzer movies mm-hmm. uh parody genre can be great and you know we've seen airplane naked gun hot shots all those are are solid or or even great 
Um, when they when they came out with date movie and epic movie, I feel like these genres do need to be sent up, especially around the time date movie came out. It seemed like there were a lot of these what happens in Vegas type mm-hmm. movies, you know, like just get pretty person A with pretty person B and just see the their chemistry or lack thereof or whatever. But the problem with the Freeburg Seltzer, uh, that Freeburg Seltzer era, era was that they put in so many at the moment pop culture mm-hmm. references like i i was watching it in the year it came out and i was like this is already dated mm-hmm. this is all and it's not funny too that's the mo- most important part of it too uh it those movies should have had a generic plot outline that's familiar to us as far as lord of the rings or harry like epic movie you know lord of the rings harry potter pirates of the caribbean all that type of shit uh, have a have a generic thing right in the, the thing that people that obviously Friedberg and Seltzer sort of uh, didn't notice when and they obviously loved movies like Airplane and Naked Gun is that the Zucker brothers and Jim Abrahams and all these guys would write jokes that didn't have anything to do with the movie or the genre that they were they were spoofing and uh and they would just write jokes that were organic and and they were good on their own airplane is chock full of them and Mm -hmm. even though the whole movie is zero hour they -hmm. took that entire you know just took zero hour and just made that and made it a comedy but uh you're not sitting there going oh well that's airport 77 or you know that's uh airport the other year that's the thing is that they were the the, they were aping genres Mm -hmm. right whereas the modern ones uh feel like they're just recreate making callbacks yeah. to specific movies mm-hmm. like with the craig bierko thing you were talking about the other day about tom cruise not being able to throw a baseball is that you just recreated a moment mm-hmm. but you're not aping a genre with that it just became a string of hey look we saw this movie too yeah yeah and that doesn't play for comedy for me period but it also doesn't play long term yeah and they would always stick in like uh, i think meet the spartans had the whole uh what's the who's the dude who was like leave britney alone see that's that's the, oh. that's what i'm talking about yep, yep. i don't even remember that dude's name yeah. and he was a youtube sensation uh that you know leave britney alone. they stick that in the middle of a fucking meet the spartans mm-hmm. and uh and it, and it just you know that was the 300 thing or whatever and uh it they there's a way to do those and i think they killed it for a while even though those movies were profitable Mm -hmm. they killed it for a while they killed the the idea of doing those type of movies and they have their place they i don't think they're coming back either the the most recent one that i can think of is not another teen movie which is one that i really like that's not even recent actually no i know that's what i'm saying oh you mean you mean like decent parody oh the last decent one Yeah. yeah 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 But, uh, yeah, after that, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever come back. I mean, I'm sure there'll be somebody that tries. I mean, we now get, we, we've gotten to the point now where stuff is so, uh, insane in some of these comedies that they're basically that anyway. They're basically parodies. Maybe it's just evolving and we get something like American Vandal that mm-hmm. is sort of aping the true crime docuseries. I just started watching genre. that, by the way. It's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just a thought. Yep. Is it my turn? Yeah um what's the question yeah <laughs> oh uh, new i'm going with suicide squad um ah. because i think that is a, a clear good idea a good concept superheroes teaming up but they're the shadier ones they're the ones that might also kill you in the process of doing whatever you've asked them to do 
Um, and even the first trailer was pretty good. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing for me personally, I feel like David Ayer works best in the actual real life gritty crime genre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like most of his pre suicide squad movies, but suicide squad and bright both enter into these fantastical realms of either fantasy or superheroes and try and merge it with David Ayer's gritty cop kind of thing. And it doesn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. But I think if you take the, the sheer concept of Suicide Squad and then you give it to somebody who's got a little bit of a nutso streak, like a Sam Raimi mm -hmm. or Terry Gilliam. Wow, Sam Raimi. I think you could end up with something that's really watchable. Somebody who's not going to go for gritty crime first. Yeah. But embrace the fucking weirdness that is Suicide Squad. Fucking Terry Gilliam. I like both of those picks. I do, too. I, I wrote some other shit down that I liked, but this was my favorite yeah. idea of all the ones I came up Because Suicide Squad, I don't think you can deny that's a good idea on paper. Um, and the film didn't work. Uh, you, you've got your diehard Snyder Cut fans out there who probably love Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, that movie was not liked by anyone. Yeah. Is that the worst DCEU movie? Oh... My vote would go to Justice League. I hated Justice League with every fiber of my being. I think Justice League works way better than Suicide Squad. <sighs> Thinnest kid at Fat Camp. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, we're not, we're, we're wow. splitting hairs of terrible things. Because <laughs> um, Wonder Woman is the best. Yeah, oh, totally. And yeah, yeah. even that, I don't, the sheen has worn off a little mm -hmm. for me. Um yeah, I'd probably put Suicide Squad at the bottom. That one or Batman v Superman. I can't. I can't abide either one mm. of those. Yeah, I think it's Batman v Superman for me. Mm. Yeah, it's shitty. Yeah, uh, my pick is Passengers. Oh, I would have probably been all over this if you hadn't stolen it. Ah, uh, I. But I don't know how you fix Passengers because you have to have him open up well, the, the the hatch. No, you don't. If you don't have him open up the hatch, it opens on its own. Well, and they're yeah they're. But, they there's, don't, but there's no conflict there you don't between need, the two. The conflict is that they're uh, up. <laughs> the conflict is that yeah, they're, they're not going to live through the entire thing. Well, and so the rest of the stuff, the shit breaking down and all that stuff. Then happens. they work that together and everything. You take out that. That's fucking unnecessary to me. That whole like, oh, you opened up my pod. Yeah, well, see, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. I'm not on board with him eventually being redeemed. Well, that's what, yeah, you have to have one or the other, right? You can't have... I don't think you could... No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, he, he, he can open up the pod, sure. Yeah. But he cannot be with her at the end of the, at the, they, end of the yeah, movie. Exactly. They uh, can still do, agree. Yeah, exactly. They can still do their shenanigans and their, their space stuff and fix the ship and have sudden uh, 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 Larry. You uh, have to whatever. abandon the romance yep. and the happy ending and go dark. Yes. You have to embrace. This is like the player. You have to embrace the dark ending instead of Hollywood ending it. This what that's what passengers did is Bruce Willis came in at the end and said traffic was a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. problem with this movie. I think you, you again. You you're going to answer. You're going to give the rest of your answer here in a minute. But I think you're right. If he opens the pod, it has to go dark and yeah. be a completely unredeemable character in a different movie. If he doesn't open the pod, I think you can have the movie you have here with a happy ending and the trees and the chickens and the what and the yeah. Andy Garcia. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think. I mean, if he doesn't open the pod, and if it just opens by itself. For whatever reason, like I, I think that just doesn't give a lot of layers. Yeah, they can get into it. It turns into a standard action. Again, film. I've said this before, but you should have the pod open on its own. 
and go the whole movie. And then at the very end, she finds out, oh, no, he then, opened it. Yes. There's a and million a different ways to fix this Everything is fucked. And every, it ends. Every, every single, like, there's three different ways to do this movie, and they took the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But if you have somebody, I actually put Ridley Scott on here because he's shown that he can do, like, engaging space stuff many times, mm-hmm. but, you know, fairly recently with The, the Martian. But I think Danny Boyle, I think, could, could take either of those directions where it's either the whammy ending or something like that, or if it's the the dark way where he's never redeemed and everything, but he does save the ship, maybe he ends up, like, you know, floating off into space. I like that. Yeah. Like, the train spotting Danny Boyle, sunshine Danny Boyle, Mm -hmm. I could take the dark angle that we've kind of floated out there. But if you're going to go the bright angle where her pod opens on its own and they end up together, then Ridley Scott is actually the perfect choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy I think ending. He would make it a straightforward, adventurous or, you know, space movie. Yes. And that would be fine. It's not like people got into a lot of conflict into in The Martian. Most people actually work together and everybody's, you know, pretty conflict free. Uh, it's just Mark Watney, poor Mark Watney. Getting his ass is basically Morris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I want to fix that movie so bad because I, I love Michael Sheen and I love uh, the way it looks. Yeah, and I, I love, love everybody ship. in that movie. Yeah. I've given a lot of my time to that movie. <laughs> way more than its quality should suggest. Regardless of who takes it, we need an, an Andy Garcia cameo. We do. We do. <laughs> no more than 20 seconds. He's uh, he's popping up in uh, NFL commercials now, too. Is he really? Yeah. There's a whole thing where an NFL player calls oh, him. Oh, yeah. Like, I think one's Todd Gurley, and he's like, uh, he's like uh, he calls Todd Gurley. He's like, I've got something for you, but hold on. i got to go somewhere else. And he like goes to another phone and calls. to calls, He's like, all right, are you there? All right, good. I, I need to call you from another phone or whatever. <laughs> and then he gets, finally gets to one last phone. He's like... All right, do this or whatever on your uh Oh, yeah, tele- that's right. Celebration. He's in bed. Yeah, that's right. Um, all, all right, right so we got fun. so we got to some goddamn questions. That's right, baby. Two questions, that's but right. we got to them, motherfuckers. Right. Motherfucker. Um, anyway, keep going to uh Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, uh Reddit. There are a million ways to come and find us and comment on this very episode. Thank you for coming out. Last time when I asked uh, what what was the deal with the comments, a lot of you came out and gave me comments. Nice. I appreciate that. Um, I, I will usually get to you uh, if you if you say something. Uh, you know, only nice things though. That's right. No no mean things. Nothing about my I mama. I will never say. I'll never talk to you then. I love my mama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. If I'm curt with you, it means time is a factor. I think fast, I talk fast, I need you guys to act fast if you're going to get through this. Now, please, with sugar on top, clean the fucking car. <laughs> you ever, you know, you watch the old X-Files shows, it was it would always cut away, like when Mulder was talking to Scully on their cell phones and he's driving and stuff like that, and uh, she'd say something like, Mulder, what are you, what are you going to do? And he's like... Something that should have been a long time ago. It's been done a long time. And he'll like hang up. There's no goodbye. There's yeah. no like, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> Even like in the middle of a uh, like Mulder, uh, where do you go next? 
and he'll just hang up the fucking. I know. Phone. I would say about I would say about seventy five percent of phone interactions are like that in movies. <laughs> There's always that no buy, no nothing. Just well, I I, I get that it's not thing, very but, cinematic. But I mean, just saying buy is easy enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like. So I actually started because I was infatuated with the X Files, like it, it, a dick move in uh, high school or college or something like that, where I. St- where I stopped saying bye on the phone. I just hang up. And it wasn't being rude. I was just doing it just to see if, that, if it was necessary to actually say bye. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And people got used to it. They were like, oh, Barrett never says bye. Oh, man, before. my wife would not tolerate that. My wife is too into like the, the conversational scripts that we have. <laughs> like, if I don't say the, the you know, it's just, it's got to be. Yeah. I'm not trying to make my wife look bad. No, no, no. That's how I got out of that habit, actually, is, is my wife was like, no, that's not going to work yeah, for me. will say goodbye to me so that I know the call is over. <laughs> I got to get an I love you. I've said. Yeah. And then there's a bye. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I got out of that habit. It was it was a little bit liberating, though. I got to be honest with you. Like, just uh, after you're done talking, instead of going like, huh? All right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Mm-hmm. See ya. Bye. Yeah. You're such an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad man. <laughs> yes. I'm um, sorry. This is sweet. Gonna, well, Booty call. Yeah. It's happening right now. Totally. It's like in Passengers when they, when Jennifer Lawrence is like begging Lawrence Fishburne, can't we just go back? And he's <laughs> like, it would take longer to go back to Earth than it would, we're going where we're going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>